It is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the program here. As always, you're invited. If you want to join us and take control of the airwaves, you can do that. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can also join us online anytime you want. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features we have waiting for you there. Uh, once again, that is freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash. Dash is digital cash. It is a cryptocurrency designed around the idea of actually spending it. Because there's a ton of cryptos out there that they just don't care if you ever spend it. They just want you to buy it and hold it forever. I hope the number goes up. Well, Dash has actually been in use for quite a long time. It's actually one of the world's oldest cryptos. It's been around for, uh, I think, since 2014 had a different name at that time. They renamed it to Dash shortly thereafter. It is digital cash, and it works really well at that. In fact, they've stayed focused on that vision. They've launched some really cool features like uh, Dash Direct, which came out last year, and that's their app that allows you to actually spend Dash at over 150,000 locations across the United States. We're talking major retailers, brands that you're familiar with, and you actually get a discount for paying in Dash. So finally, you have a reason to actually spend your cryptocurrency. And you can get the Dash Direct app through your Apple or Android app store and get started with that. Each store has its own discount. can be as low as less than 1%. can be as high as like 8 or 9%. So it just all depends. Most of them seem to clock in at around the 4 to 6% range. Uh, but any discount is better than none. And Dash Direct can help you with that. Again, gives you a great excuse to actually spend your crypto. It makes it super easy. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And thanks to the Dash DAO, their decentralized autonomous organization, for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org and learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. All right. Uh, it's Ian here with you, by the way. I don't know if we introduced ourselves. I don't think you did. And Mark? And Mark is here with us, not from Mexico City tonight, but you've moved. Where are you tonight, Mark? I am in Antigua, Guatemala, which is the original capital of the Central American Republic, which is no more, huh. but it is a very old city uh, and uh, very interesting, the sort of the layout, uh, you know, the styles and things like that. Not what we're used to in America. Mm -hmm. It's all walls along the street with doors and you sort of enter the door into your area, wherever that might be. It has courtyards and houses and things mm. like that. Often families would own, you know, like there'd be separate areas off the courtyard and, and that kind of thing. Very interesting. And I want to say a special thanks to my son, Jack, for giving me a new neurosis. Also that and the, uh, the big fire up in uh, Canada because air quality has been an issue. Really? Now, Mexico's, yeah, Mexico City isn't known for the greatest air quality in the world. But wait, wasn't it a volcano that was causing the problem in Mexico City? You're right. Maybe I should. Uh, I've, I've been looking at air quality across the United States here just mm -hmm. in the last few a uh, couple of hours. And uh, honestly, it's terrible um, in the U.S. too. But yes, there is a volcano in Mexico that's not doing so nice. But bad air quality is stretching all the way down to Georgia. Um even from Canada? Hometown. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I can't really tell you, but our hometown of Sarasota is mm -hmm. sitting at a moderate 53 right now um, as far as air quality goes. 100 Places, being the worst or best? 
100 is uh, bad. Okay. And that's... Zero, zero is good. Good. Okay. Got it. But uh, let's say Riverside, Tennessee is at 142. Whoa. Okay. It goes higher um, than that. Okay. I didn't know yeah. that. Um, United Avenue. Where do you get this? Like weather.com? Who's, who's got this info? Well, that's a good, very good question because the mm-hmm. numbers change depending on the website you get it from. I like uh, this one. It's waqi.info, and it'll give mm-hmm. you it from around the world. It takes all the information, pulls it all together. I wouldn't trust it but um, to be the, the full source, but I— If you pronounce the website, it's wacky. Yeah, wacky. <laughs> it's wacky. World's Air Pollution Real-time air quality Real index. Real air quality index. Okay, or world air quality index. Got it, got yeah. it. And um, basically, all of the Northeast, it's not so bad where you are in New Hampshire. It's, you've managed mm-hmm. to sort of dodge it. Um, I mean, you're just moderate now, but yeah, there's some places that are pretty awful in the U.S. And um, down in Mexico, I'm presuming that there's some effect from the wildfires but maybe it's all volcanoes because it's all central around centered around mexico city where the air quality is bad yeah they said something i've got uh, a new neurosis now okay they said something over i don't know if the was the weekend that we were supposed to get some you know fallout from smoke or whatever from the uh, the fires i didn't notice anything i'm not noticing anything right now yeah, I think that most people with uh, without health problems are going to not notice mm-hmm. anything in the moderate region. It's when it starts getting into the red that normal people will begin uh, experiencing gotcha. it. But I had a headache for like four days in Mexico City. And so what does your son have to do with this? I'm not really clear on that. He's uh, he's the one who brought up that it's probably the exhaust inside of a major city um, because, you know, he just... He, he likes to sow chaos. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I, I do want to talk about uh, Central America because Honduras is in the news. It's someplace you've been spending a lot of time over the last few years. We can get into that. But the big news, of course, of the day, I think uh, you know a lot of people are talking about it on social media at the moment. It's this Supreme Court decision that purportedly rejects affirmative action at colleges. Now, I say purportedly because that's the big headline. That's what everybody's saying. But uh, Jeremy Kaufman, who's with the Free State Project, posted an interesting tweet from someone called Kofivi Anon on Twitter, who says that uh, the court actually did not overturn affirmative action uh, in this particular case. And then they give an excerpt from the ruling which was, what was it, like 6 to 3, I think, or something like that? It was 6 to 3, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I know you had something from Reason.com. I don't know yep. if you want to go through that, or I've got something from CNBC. I don't think that, um, right, It. I think it's the the claim that Reason's making is, is that they struck down affirmative action in college admissions. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Yeah, that's what they're saying here. That's Okay. That's what this is, supposedly. So, Well, um, so in part, a Supreme Court ruling is uh, it's the the spirit of the law as well as the letter. Right. Um, So if a lower court believes if, if people generally believe that 
affirmative action in is no longer acceptable in college admissions. They are going to ex, uh, act as though affirmative action is no longer acceptable in college admissions, right? The college administrators are going to find excuses for admissions. They're going to find ways to, well, these test scores, the, the you know, this, this, this ethnicity does better in these test scores, you know, so they're going to figure ways around it. The same that as was what I immediately thought, done. by the way, that's as, as soon as I heard this, my first thought was, this is going to be meaningless. It's just going to officially wipe affirmative action away. They won't be able to say that they have a quota. It'll just right. be the unofficial, unspoken policy. And so let's take the argumentum ad absurdum here. Before we even read the article, let's go this way. We're going to take um, Bubba's Barbecue. And I'm sorry to Bubba out there. I'm not meaning to say anything about your business. But Bubba's Barbecue in find, what's the most, most racist state as far as you're concerned, Ian? I don't know. Mississippi. All right. Bubba's Barbecue in uh, the, the most racist city and the most racist state uh, that we can come up with. Right. And Bubba's Barbecue can't say. No black people allowed, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the um, discrimination whatever, laws, love nineteen sixty nine or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Civil Rights but, Act, yeah, yeah. Bubba's not an idiot, or at least not that much of an idiot. He knows how to keep black folks out, and Bubba's going to enact the systems for doing so. He's going to have, hey, you got to pay ahead, and you know he's going to, you know, you're going to get a dirty glass. Um, you're going to get the worst barbecue he's got. Like it's just going to be, you're not going to want to go as a black person to Bubba's barbecue because, and I'm using all these things just as the most wide sweeping sort of racist things. And that's basically what you're going to get out of these racist colleges. Cause let's not stop it for a second, ladies and gentlemen, making decisions on who gets to go to your college based on race is racist. That is the definition of racism. Racism is choosing to do a thing based on race. Now you can change the definition of race. Okay, go ahead. What's your definition? Uh, I mean, the definition of racism, obviously it's being changed over time, but I think the sort of the classic definition is that you believe that someone is inferior based on their yep. race. You're right. I think that that is the, uh, the first and primary. But if you're not letting somebody in your business, that's, I mean, people are generally going to call that racist, right? Yeah. No, 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 no doubt about it. Yeah. So um, that's true with your school. Right. If, if yeah, you're treating making... someone differently as um, treating someone as uh, as an inferior is essentially an ex- extension of racism for sure. And here's what Harvard was doing. And this is simple racism. They were saying that if you are Asian by whatever their definition of Asian is, and I don't even think they should be able to ask this question, but that's fine. If you're Asian, your test score needs to be and I think it was six, uh, 767 or something like that. I'm that number I'm pulling out of my butt, um, but it needed to be that. And that was in the mathematics portion of the SAT. But if you're black, your score only needs to be 731 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're white, it's somewhere in between. Now, that, to me, just reeks of racism. You know, the idea that somehow black people are inferior to Asian people and that um, black people need to boost up over Asian people in order to go to the University of Harvard or whatever the situation is, that's just full-on racism as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I thought about this today, and I thought, what are the implications? And I guess the answer is, I don't care. 
The implications I, of what? The implication of no longer being able to use race in, in part of college admissions. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, I'm fine with American schools, so long as these are Americans, I mean, uh, you know, if, if they want to say, well, we, we aren't accepting people from outside of the country, I think that's something different than racism. I think that's, you know, selection based on nationality and, and something else. And they should be able to make that decision being an American university. They should be able to do that. But making a decision based on the ethnicity of the individual, of the American applying for uh, college admission, I just think, well, you know, I think the nation will be better off if schools aren't able to make that particular decision. Did you want me to read the article? Uh, yeah, if, if you want to. I, b- before we do that, though, I think that uh, my my curiosity here is, does this only apply to colleges that accept government money? Well, there's only one that doesn't. So, um, and that's Hillsdale College. I don't know if I buy that. I don't, what were we just talking about the other day? Oh, yeah. Uh, the funny thing is this just happened to come up. Affirmative action just happened to come up on the show last night. We didn't know there was anything yep. in front of the uh, the Supreme Court. And I think it was uh, – I think Bonnie mentioned that there's this university in Utah, Brigham Young University, that only accepts Mormons. And I and I, when I when she said that, I remember you talking about Hillsdale's this only college that t- is uh, you know completely privately funded. And it made me think, well, how can that be? How how could there be a, a college that only allows Mormons that also is taking government money? I mean, you would think that the the government would say, whoa, whoa, you you got to let everybody in if you're going to take government money. Yeah, I can't say I've poured over the numbers on this, but I know that Hillsdale would be happy for you to believe that they're the only college. Now, yeah, college I... and the university, there's a different thing. Now, oh, it's okay, not like whatever. there's a strict definition between the two. <laughs> I know. I know, man. Um, and what, is, yeah, what is the difference between a university and a college? Do you want the loose definition? Because that's I don't I know. Whatever. Loose definition is a university has uh, graduate uh, degrees. Okay. So you can so get wait. a master's or a doctorate. So what was the statement about Hillsdale, that they're the only college that doesn't take government money? That's correct. If Where you remember is... the former uh, sponsor of the show, Jason Osborne of SACL CAI, okay. he went to Hillsdale for mm-hmm. his undergrad and went to um, George Mason for his graduate. Okay, got it. Let's go ahead and say this. 99% of colleges accept some level of government funding. That's probably and I would true. Say that, and I would say that's probably true for, with Brigham Young, too. Just because somebody gets a Pell Grant doesn't mean that it, it – to my mind, it doesn't mean that they have to uh, be a non-religious college. Hmm. Okay. But it could be. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't either. You know, I – I think it's fine that Brigham Young only accepts Mormons. Uh, me, me too. Me too. I don't think if, that any po- colleges should be getting government money, though. I think that if, uh, you know, should not happen. Um, I think it's uh, – so the, here's one thing is, is that I would – there's a list of colleges that I'd like to see Jack go to. And Swarthmore is on that, that list. Now, this is a wildly liberal school, but I like it because it has Quaker origins. And there's a Quaker meeting um, on Sundays. and you know, I mean, people tend to have these preferences based on their own religions, right? Now, why and, would you want to send Jack to a, uh, to college? I mean, after all these years, after all the time that we have uh, just 
railed against the college system and how much of a waste of time and money it is for most people. Is Jack going to be a doctor? Is he is he going to be an engineer? I mean, these are the things that we have said on the air. You, I believe, specifically have talked about this, Mark, over the years, is that, yeah, you know, if you need to be no, an I've engineer got, or something, then go to college because you kind of have to. Or I've got doctor. some very specific criteria that I believe I'm still sticking to, which is if you're going to be a doctor, If you want to be a doctor, you want to be an engineer, you want to be a college professor, Mm -hmm. you want to be some of this small subset that needs to go to college, then you should go to college. So does he want to be one of those things? Hold on. Let me, I'm not done with my uh, subset. Also, if you have to pay for it, you should seriously consider otherwise because you don't want to be saddled with uh, the debt uh, going forward. If you're going to pay for it, you want to be at the very least able to pay for it as you go. You don't want to be to walk out of college with 20 years worth of debt. Um, now, again, some people have a dream of being a doctor and they don't mind being saddled with the debt. And I, you know, I ask them to think about it strongly and to consider, well, why don't you have a whole bunch of scholarships? If you don't have a whole bunch of scholarships, then maybe you need to reconsider this whole college thing. So in Jack's case, um, I've been blessed with, you know, some money and Jack won't have to pay for a, uh, have to pay for his own uh, college. So in his case, why not? What else is he going to do? I don't know. He he can do something productive. He could. I mean, you know, if you've got how many, what are the percentages of 18 to 22 year olds that are productive Ian? Well, because they're in college, very, very low. I, mean, I know. And they're just they, partying. There's a reason they're in college, because that age group tends not to be productive. Um, this is what. Well, yeah, class, they were raised by a bunch of lazy people, parents, a bunch of lazy uh, boomer or Gen X or whatever parents who did a terrible job at inculcating an entrepreneurial spirit into their kids. Let's so. presume that I've done a terrible job in uh, <laughs> entrepreneurial spirit in my uh, son, Jack, at age 15. What am I going to do with it? Do about it now? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly not too late. Nothing. I mean, at 15, it's not too late. Well, um, I think that the best way to, uh, to institute entrepreneurial spirit in my son would be to take him to Tanzania and drop him off with nothing and tell him, work your way back to the United <laughs> States. Good luck. You know, and I'm uh-huh. just not willing to do it. I you see. know, the chances, the chances of communicable diseases are too high. And, um, you know, I, I just don't, I'm, I'm not into it. Is he into it? Is he into going to college? If a young person hears us Mm -hmm. and realizes um, he's into video games, (laughs) he's 15 years old, he's not thinking about, like, I'm lucky when he brushes his teeth, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Foresight isn't the strongest suit of this particular demographic. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the problems of the... Um, psychographic that likes to give advice to those of us with kids is they often a don't have them and b have lots of strong opinions about how to raise them well i mean i've actually got in the news here today a story from the washington post about a mom who actually and apparently is in alabama uh who set up a lemonade stand and offered quote-unquote jobs to you know small children six uh, six to ten years old and uh, you know, learning entrepreneurialism essentially, and the government, of course, came after her for that. So, of course they did. 
So, I mean, there's a whole lot in society that pushes down the entrepreneurial spirit. It pushes down opportunities that kids would have to uh, to go to work early. Somebody who's 15 should already have some idea of what it is that they are interested in doing in life. But if all they've been able to do by government mandate is sit around and play video games, you know, until they're oh. until they finally are able to move out of their house, then no wonder we've got a generation full of useless teens and twenty and twenty somethings. I mean, it's are you really familiar sad. With the Montes- Montessori schools. Are you familiar with those? Um, I I don't know if I'm intimately familiar with them. No. So each of them um, that I've heard of has a entrepreneurial aspect and asks kids as low as fourth grade. And I don't know what age that is, but I think mm-hmm. it's about 10. Um, ask 10-year-olds to sell food at the bake sale, to perhaps generate some things that might be for sale at the little, uh, you know, the, the table and things like that. Yeah. And ever, and I was sending Jack to a uh, Montessori school for several years. And every morning, there's coffee and pastries essentially set up to pay you know ridiculously high prices for um (laughs) and that money is split between is basically you know goes to the school and then to the kids stuff that they're doing so for instance uh jack goes on a little trip uh went on a trip every year he's not going to that school this next year but uh, nonetheless um went on a trip every year and you know, so there's entrepreneurial stuff being taught out there mm-hmm. and that is done within the confines of a school or a church. Mind you, churches do this kind of thing, too. And it allows kids to get that outlet without just going on the radio and, and complaining that this stuff is not happening. It allows you to get it. I'm not saying that it's good that this woman was arrested. By no means am I saying. I don't know I'm if it came saying. to that, but I haven't gotten all the details on the story. But it's definitely, think, I think, something we should talk about. I had it in show prep for tonight so we can get into that here. But uh, we haven't really talked about the Supreme Court decision yet. Sure. And uh, we can get into that, too. If you want to comment, the number here is 603-283-6160. Whether it be on the lack of entrepreneurial you know, drive in young people all the way up through college education, quote-unquote, of course, we've seen the so-called educated people in the United States tend to be the ones that believe the government uh, more. So they're actually the more easily duped. They're the ones who are the ones that wanted uh, to get the COVID vaccine and they don't question the government as often as people who haven't been through, well, years and years of government, so-called education, which is just straight up indoctrination. We got more coming up here. Again, the number is 603-283-6160. You can join us here on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In 2022, Dash launched a killer app that allows you to spend Dash at over 155,000 locations across the United States, including major retailers, and you get a discount for paying with Dash. Finally, a reason to spend your crypto. It's called Dash Direct. Get it on your Apple or Android app store. The stores on Dash Direct each offer their own discount level, but some are as high as 8 to 9% off. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. 
dash.org. Yep, it is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. We've been talking about the Supreme Court decision here today that they say is going to get rid of affirmative action in the college admission process. But is it really? That's what the headlines would like you to believe. But what really happened in this decision? We can talk about that. Uh, coming up here, your calls and thoughts, of course, are welcome. You can bring up anything you want to discuss. And don't forget, you can join us online over on our social media platform that we run. It's on our server. It's a Mastodon system. That means it is federated, so it's connected with thousands of other Mastodons all around the planet. You can get on there, you can express yourself, and you don't have to worry about censorship at least as far as your ideas are concerned. If you're going to get on there and try to spam, then we're going to get rid of you. Uh, but So we don't have a whole lot of rules. Basically, no spamming and no snitching. If you don't like what somebody says, then just use the block button. It's an option there. That's that's your solution. We're not going to take somebody down because you don't like their opinion. Uh, so head over to social.freetalklive.com. It's Ian and Mark here with you tonight. Mark joining us from all the way down in Guatemala. We're going to go to the phones here. And then, Mark, you want to get into some details on this uh, Supreme Court case regarding the college admissions process. Kevin is in Georgia, though, listening to WGOW. Go ahead, Kevin. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. <clears throat> uh, there are some religious schools that will provide money through what they may call here in Georgia Hope Scholarship, which is an academic achievement-based scholarship that the student earns and is provided by funds from the state. Another one is the Pell Grant, which is based on family income. So if if schools are just doing those two, would it be legitimate to say that they're government-funded when they're based on the student's socioeconomic level and achievement? So just curious, what would define government-funded? <clears throat> yeah, I Good, Mark. I think that Ian was, is definitely going to say that any that the first penny that comes from the government is therefore government funded. Um, I tend to agree. Uh, I mean, you know, like the, the Pell Grant happens to be need based. So what? Um, if, if the government puts restrictions on the acceptance of the money, for instance, all milk must be pasteurized and grade A or whatever it is mm -hmm. that they say, or um, that they must teach, you know, this, this set of curriculum or this thing or that thing, then the strings attached are what concern me the most. I care little about where the money comes from because once an organization has stolen money from someone um, or, you know, extorted it or whatever terminology we wish to use, uh, if you can get some of that money back, then by all means do it. Um, I don't think it's evil to accept it. All I'm saying is, is that when you do be prepared for the other shoe to drop. Um, I do have a list here from uh, someplace deanclancy.com that uh, has a list of uh, 22 colleges that don't accept government money. All right. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you, Kevin, for the call. I appreciate it. 22 so again colleges does that does a college include university 
Because university, you said university has the graduate program, so it also has a college, right? That's basically a college plus. I would call a theological seminary a university because they mm-hmm. offer a doctorate in um, theology. Okay. But the vast majority of these things say college, college after them. Okay. And again, I told I was I tried to equivocate when I was talking about the definition between college and university, mm-hmm. in so much as places hey, they did. You know, like there's some universities that decided, you know what, well, we don't want to do upper grad stuff and they just never changed their name. I see. Okay. Um, and there is one on the list called Weimar University in California. Hmm. Um, so whatever that means. So these uh, these terms are historical as opposed to factual. Gotcha. Anything else on that list jump out at you? Something, anything you recognize? Um, there's a couple of them, Utah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, there's, uh, no, nah, nothing. I'm, I'm, I mean, there's a lot of Bible stuff, Bethlehem college and seminary, um, right. Alethea Christian college, um, Christendom college, faith Bible college. Oh, there's Hillsdale, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's a, it's a little Bible-y, but it's not exactly Mid-Atlantic Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, yeah, that's what I would expect to see, because those churches probably are wise enough to know that if they do accept that government money, it's going to come with those strings attached, and you basically cut a deal with the devil uh, at that point. So, yeah, good um, for them. Well, there's a lot of churches out there that don't think that uh, they're cutting a deal with the devil when they accept government money. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, let's continue here. We got Renee on the line in Louisiana. Go ahead, Renee. Yeah, uh, I hope I got the right phone. We hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I got two phones. But anyway, uh, my, my uh, uh, the left wing, right wing uh, show I call just not interesting, uh, my, my great topics. My topic tonight. Well, we weren't is, talking about that, so go ahead. Okay, my topic is uh, they had legal expert. My topic is if you are defending yourself and it goes south against wildlife or a dog, how much trouble can you get, especially endangered species? If if you have to defend yourself, because where I live at, and I go pick trash in my trash truck, they are bears. And wow. bears can be dangerous sometimes. Mm-hmm. If you if you take out a bear, but you have to defend yourself or your dog, I mean, would it? I mean, how dynamic would that be? Because if it's my dog, I love my dog more than some stray bear. You know, if I had to defend myself or somebody else, how much trouble can I get? Well, uh, I can't tell you life. what the law is there in Louisiana. I mean, this would be a question. Or U.S. <laughs> yeah, I, it's probably different by the state. Would be my guess. Um, I don't know, you know, what federal rules would apply, but a black, a black bear is listed as least concerned mm-hmm. concern. Um, well, I know that here in New Hampshire, I did hear recently because there was actually a free stater whose wife uh, killed a bear and then apparently subsequently killed another bear, which is amazing. Uh, and there was some question about, well, is this even legal? I mean, can you just go out and, and hunt bears? And apparently, yeah, you can. I don't know if it's certain times of the year or what the, the rules are surrounding that. I heard a rumor that you can only kill one bear, not two. Uh, but again, it just all depends on the uh, the state and the various different rules that they have. If you're out in the middle of the woods and a bear attacks you and you know you uh, you ice the thing and walk away, I suspect there's probably not uh, going to be any proof that you did that. And, you know, you'll survive it. So I, I obviously I would can't... also encourage you that if you have to kill a bear um, that you 
try to use the meat uh, in a useful fashion. Now, I think that's going to increase the chance that you have somebody to deal gonna with catch the, you <laughs> with a wildlife uh, guy. But uh, right. again, it's nice to have you know like, carry a nineteen eleven when you're in the woods. After you use up all the bullets, you can throw it at the bear. <laughs> well, 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 the thing is that where I pick trash, it, it's uh, like urban, sort of urban, because they have bear cans for the trash can, stuck in intermittently in the woodland where the bears can come and play with the trash, but you got to throw away your trash. People don't burn trash like they used to 100 years ago, so you will make contact with bears. I don't think black bears are dangerous, but I'm nosy because, you know, grizzlies, are, I believe, it. they're big, they're dangerous, and I believe they're, if you look, we live in a, a, a town setting where these guys are on the edge and they come over. Shouldn't you have, above all, the right to defend yourself? You should. Or a dog. Absolutely. It's, you I mean, should be able to defend yourself. You should be able to defend your dog. I don't dog. know what the law has to say about that, however, because <laughs> a lot yeah. of times. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I would. Uh, first off, I'd I'd warn you that uh, don't bring, don't come half stepping when dealing with grizzly bears. Um, you're in Louisiana. The chances of you encountering a grizzly bear where you are is low. But um, if you are out west, I hope you already know that you need a 45 mm-hmm. in dealing with a grizzly. Yeah, bear. 22 Not, is just going to piss it off, right? Right. Make make it very very angry. <laughs> and, um. You know, you want the stopping power that comes with a forty-five. At least. I, I've got to say that the dog thing leaves me a little, you know, like I, I'm ambivalent on the dog. What on do you, one what hand, do I love my dog, right? What, are you on just going to let the bear maul your dog and stand by and do nothing? Let's think about Harambe for a second. Here we have the uh, the most endangered primate on the planet, the lowland gorilla. And the most successful primate on the planet, the human being, we shot the least, uh, the, the most endangered uh, primate on the planet in favor of the least endangered. And we did. I got a, well, we the human beings, the the lowland certainly did make a decision. I suspect yes. it was one person who made that decision. I can tell you, none of them were a lowland mm-hmm. gorilla. Mm-hmm. Well, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Well, I'm saying it's my damn dog and I'm going to do what it takes to protect my dog. Dogs are a very successful species Mm -hmm. and grizzly bears are not a terribly successful species. They're trying to make their way in a human world. Dogs have already figured it out about 50,000 years ago. And I'm ambivalent on whether or not one should, you know, smoke an endangered species for one that is not at all endangered. Yeah, I don't give a damn. I, I Thank you, by the way, Renee, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. You mess with, uh, with my dog, bear's going to die, and yeah. I really don't care. I mean, I, look, I think bears, uh, especially the black bears, they're pretty cute uh, up here, and they're not the same level of danger as a brown bear or as a grizzly bear. bear. Hmm? Don't hug them. No, no, I have no interest in doing that. But, you know, there's been some pretty interesting videos of bears with the Russians. Have you seen the Russian bear videos online where they're just doing all kinds of weird stuff with uh, with bears? And the bears? I'm sure I haven't seen the same one you have, but <laughs> Russians tend to make pets of bears. So. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, but, you know, I, w- I don't want to hurt a bear. I don't. I would rather not hurt anything. But if the bear is trying to kill my dog, then I'm sorry. That's, well, that's my family. What if your dog is aggressing against the bear? What if your dog is getting into the bear's space? <laughs> 
right? Like, like that's a that's a legitimate question. It is a legitimate question. That's true. And that I true. can tell you the one experience um, that I know sort of, well, it's not firsthand. My wife experienced, my ex-wife uh, experienced it and I did not, but um, she had our dog, Honey. You remember her? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were on the trail behind uh, our house in Westmoreland and a bull had gotten out of his pen. Whoa. And there he was doing bull things, not aggressing mm-hmm. against anybody. And the dog goes up to the bull. Oh, no. And then decides to run away from the bull. Mm-hmm. And this is, by the way, on an abandoned train trestle. Right. So there's literally no left or right. It's mm-hmm. frontwards or forward towards the bull, away <laughs> from the bull. Yeah. And the dog decides to run behind my wife. So mm. now there's a bull moving quickly towards my wife, then wow. wife. She decides to make some noise and, you know, Scares the bull off and you know her. She can scare a bull and uh, the bull turns around (laughs) and goes home. But (laughs) nonetheless, um, I've never heard that story before. Yeah. Yeah. That happened out there. And, but I mean, you know, if a dog goes up to a bull, uh, to a bear, it's probably going to go after the dog and the dog is probably not going to not go up to the bear. I think she would have been within her rights to pull out a gun and blast the bull. If that's what it, if that's what it came down to. Um, I agree. But I don't know what the law says. And it's like, I'm not a lawyer. I can't give legal advice. And, and again, thank you, Renee, for uh, for calling with the question because it, it is an interesting question. Uh, but you you got to do your own research on that one. Well, I think that she certainly, if a bull's heading towards you, you have the right to pull a gun and shoot it. Yeah, I, and, uh, and again, I would hope so. Don't stop shooting at one bullet. Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, we continue. This is why here. you should train. We got Ricky. He's in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ian. Brother Mark, good evening. What's on your mind? Good evening to you. Well, I had a couple comments about last night. I will tell you, I'm privileged, and I got to tell you, I'm most definitely honored. And this is something I never thought I'll probably never see again, that I was the first caller on the first night that Miss Bonnie was in the seat. No, no, that wasn't the first night. She's been oh, was it? she's been in the front seat here for a few I think two or three other times. Well, I'll tell you what, I did first to me anyway. Okay. All right, but I'll tell you what, I gotta tell you Ian. I I looked at that three hours. I thought uh, to my exposure of her, I thought she really did good. I agree. You know, yeah, I, I she think did. she's she got what it takes to be an excellent dollars. host. I think she has what it well, takes to be an excellent host. I saw a whole different side of her because when she was dealing with callers, I thought that was some of the best discussions I've heard out of her since I've been here. Well, that's you very know, kind, back, uh, you know? Ricky. And she is listening tonight, so she's heard what you uh, have had to say. What were you calling in about tonight? Well, no, I, 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 I was you know, that being said, I thought she was great, and uh, I'm going to call in Wednesday. I'm looking forward. To okay. It. Anyways, uh, you know, I'm listening to what you're saying here, and you know, I know growing up, okay. And, you know, things were different when I was younger. And you're close to my age, Ian. And you are around my age, Mark. You know, I see what breeds racism. And, you know, when you have, say, a college or a school or a store, and I see it on all sides, all colors. It could be anything. What it does is they, uh, they'll say, oh, we don't we do this. We don't want to do that. It could be blacks. It could be whites. You know, and what it does is it'll aggravate the other side of a of a, say it's a black issue, aggravate a white issue, and so on and so forth. 
that, oh, what about white people? What about black people? What about us? And both sides have been doing this. Uh, and, and I don't know how this can come to an end. You know, there shouldn't be, you know, you say it's okay to have an all-white school, an all-black school. I disagree. Because there's a famous black school. Maybe Mark can help me with this. I forget what it's called. There's uh, more than one. Uh, Bethune-Cookman comes to mind in Florida. There's one. Texas A&M. Isn't that historically a, a black school? Florida a and you know who's on this? The girl from, what's her, oh, what's her name? Uh, I can't remember her name. The girl was on MSNBC, the black girl. She went I don't know. I don't, I don't watch television. Anyway, the point is, what's interesting is, she went to that, but she also used affirmative action to get into Harvard. And she was proud of that. You know, and I don't think, I just don't think. So you're defending kind of, affirmative action here? No, I think it was wrong. Because I thought you just said that there shouldn't be uh, all black schools in all white schools. I'm saying she used it to go into Harvard affirmative action. They were going to let her in, you know. And see, what I see happening, Ian, and I noticed myself because I lost a job as a result of affirmative action. And he was a terrible worker. You know, my boss said to me, oh, I'll give you a good reference. You can get another job, Rick, I guess because I'm white. You know, that wasn't acceptable. I didn't do it. You got fired for being white? Tell me this story. Okay. I worked at a lumber yard and there was this kid. He was younger than me, a little younger. I was old. I had him at least five, six years on him. And it was when I was in my early 20s. And everybody called him Stymie because he looked just like uh, Stymie from the little rascals, put a bowler hat on him. Anyway, so I I would do just about anything. You know, I did, uh, you know, I would put cans of paint up and put the, uh, the codes on it. I'd do the Joyce hires, stack them. I'd be out in the yard, whatever. But I was there for a couple months, I don't know, two and a half months or so. And I remember I would do paint, and he'd say, oh, Rick, you got to fix the paint. It's messed up. I said, no, I didn't do it. Oh, stymies half. I said, oh, come on. I'd have to redo it. Well, I get called into the office at one day. I'm ready to leave. And Carl says to me, I need to talk to you, Rick. I said, Okay. He says, well, you know, I'm going to be straight up with you, Rick. I said, what's that? Well, you know what? Uh, it had to be one of you. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, you can get a, another job. I said, what do you mean? Tell me. He said, I'm going to tell you. He says, well, it was either you or Stymie. He told me Stymie went to, to civil rights because he was going to fire Stymie. And his answer is, you could get another job, right? Are you I'll saying that, just, just to clarify, are you saying the other guy, Stymie, was black? And, yes, yeah, Stymie said... I lost my job. And he didn't want to fire... He didn't want to fire him because he was black, because he was worried about some sort of fallout legally from that, and he Absolutely. said... Uh-huh. Absolutely. And you know what? The, the, the only good news of this story is that that lumberyard closed a couple months <laughs> later. But I cried, man. I have to admit, I was, a, I was an adult. I actually cried because I'm always, I'm, I'm, you know, how many times have I spoke about civil rights over the year? Hundreds and hundreds. And this happened to me because I was that way then. Yeah. I cried. Well, you know, and, and I, I, really I, I would, I would congratulate you for not internalizing that because that's exactly how racism starts and how it works is is that it begins in the heart through experience through education right like you know somebody in your family says these kind of folks are like this and then you believe it and then you hear more experience you experience things that corroborate that evidence and you don't see the things that don't corroborate it and and whatever 
And the reality is, is that we all get to make this decision in life. And I feel that this ruling by the Supreme Court that gets rid of uh, affirmative action will only be good for America, because then there will be people, there won't be people who say, well, you know, I'm so mad at this particular ethnic group because I didn't make it into this particular school and some other kid did and blah, 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 whatever story they tell themselves. Right. So now they can't say I didn't make it in because of my, the color of my skin. And I think it's a terrible reason to make decisions is the color of somebody's skin. And especially when you've got college, you've got all kinds of transcripts and all kinds of information, test scores, and a whole variety of things. You can decide a future student's going to be a good choice for your university or not. But the color of their skin crappy reason yeah if they actually are getting rid of it and i am skeptical that this decision is actually going to do that uh but ricky thanks for the call tonight i appreciate it the number here is 603-283-6160 i know mark you had a story from reason.com about this college thing i don't know if you want to share some of that yeah supreme court has struck down this is from reason.com with emma camp reporting uh, Supreme Court has struck down race-based affirmative action in college admissions in a six to three decision today. The court ruled that both Harvard and the University of North Carolina's admission policies engaged in unlawful racial discrimination, violating the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. The decision effectively ends almost 50 years of legalized racial discrimination in the college admissions process. Eliminating racial, eliminating racial discrimination means eliminating all of it, wrote Chief Justice John Roberts in the court's majority opinion. In other words, the student must be treated based on his or her experiences as an individual, not on the basis of race. Which, by the way, I read in some other place that colleges can consider a student's experiences based on race. So if they wrote a little essay, this is why I hate being Asian mm-hmm. or whatever, um, then that can be uh, considered as part of the admissions process. Right. This is why I'm oppressed being an Eskimo. Right. And this is going to be the workaround. In fact, that's what uh, Jeremy Kaufman from the Free State Project posted uh, tweeting from Kofivi Anon on Twitter, who says, uh, this is an excerpt from the uh, decision from the Supreme Court, quote, because Harvard and UNC's admissions programs lack sufficiently focused and measurable objectives warranting the use of race, unavoidably employ race in a negative manner, involve racial stereotyping, and lack meaningful endpoints, those admissions programs cannot be reconciled with the guarantees of the Equal Protection Clause. Okay, that's fine. Make sense? Next part. At the same time, nothing prohibits universities from considering an applicant's discussion of how race affected the applicant's life, so long as that discussion is concretely tied to a quality of character or unique ability that the particular applicant can contribute to the university. Many university has Uh, Universities have for too long wrongly concluded that the touchstone of an individual's identity is not challenges bested, skills built, or lessons learned, but the color of their skin. This nation's constitutional history does not tolerate that choice. So essentially they're saying they can work around this. They just can't openly stay. The the university cannot openly say we will only, you know, we have to have 25 percent black admissions. I'd like to to point out that they didn't have the guts to do that anyway. Harvard wouldn't even, prior to this particular uh, ruling, wouldn't even 
tell you what the criteria were. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't even go that far because they know that racism is, you know, selection based on race, right? Like that's racist. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't be, they weren't going to willingly say, yes, we're a bunch of effete liberal racists. Okay, so I think that this is perhaps not the unqualified victory, but the fact is, Ian, we live in a statist world. You know that somebody's always going to be able to find an end run. Harvard doesn't operate by the same rules you and I do. All right, there's more coming up here in moments. I just don't think people should be celebrating as much as uh, maybe they are over this because, again, the average person has not read this full decision, nor have I. But that excerpt uh, is kind of a giveaway to what's really going on. It's just, uh, there's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. We'd like to invite you to visit Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We are kicking off the second hour here. Uh, of course, you can join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. Mark joining us from Guatemala and uh, on the way here, I do have a story about Honduras. Got this lady with the lemonade stand in Alabama that uh, is being cracked down upon. She's trying to teach kids entrepreneurialism, and that is apparently a crime uh, here in the United States, or at least in Alabama, probably in many of the uh, the 50 states. We can get into that. Uh, plus, I know, Mark, you wanted to talk about something that I wrote down somewhere here. Oh, felons. Felons and guns. Apparently there's been some court case uh, regarding that. But we started the show talking about the supposed overturning of affirmative action with regards to college admissions, which is all over the news and social media today. But it looks like there's really no way to enforce this Supreme Court decision because, I mean, what, is the Justice Department going to go arrest college admissions people and bring criminal charges if they ignore uh, the Supreme Court? Of course They're not, not going to ignore it. No, you're right. They're going to change the policy to where... I mean, these are statists working within a statist system, and they're going to say, okay, well, the Supreme Court has said we can't look at race, so we're going to look at attributes of race or something to that effect. If that's what they think is Right? They got armies of lawyers. And I think this is important, and I think it's good, because what it does is it tells the racist, hey, stop being racist. But they don't think they're racist. You... Bigots have used this system for the last 60 years Mm -hmm. to say that your version of racism is acceptable and another version is unacceptable. Well, we, the Supreme Court of the United States, tell you you're both bigots. Stop it and go back to your bigot hole and do bigot things in the dark like you bigots do. Which is what they're going to do. They'll do the exact exact same thing and they'll just simply not publicly state any kind of quotas or whatever. And you were saying earlier they didn't they didn't state their quotas before, so really not much is likely to change. But well, it they is, hid they hid their behavior, yeah, yeah. Well, they're going to keep hiding it. 
but it is likely to, uh, as we're seeing, uh, get a lot of people touting this decision as though it's well, some sort of monumental uh, decision, and it doesn't really seem I like it is. I think it's a monumental decision. I'm going to go that far, yeah. I mean, is it going to get rid of racism on planet Earth? No. It's not. It's not going to get and rid of it in the college the state, admissions process. The state hasn't been able to do that. Well, you know, I don't think it's going to be able to do that, but it's a step along the path. Racism isn't the kind of thing you can get rid of overnight, but you certainly shouldn't put it under a freaking grow lamp and give it mirror and give it fertilizer, right? Sure, and but that's, that's what they been, do all the time. That's what's been going on in American universities for decades. It's is they've been giving on. fertilizer to racism. Yeah, it's going to keep going on. They're going to keep teaching. Uh, what is it? The there's a certain curriculum that people are really offended by right now. Critical uh, race. Thank you. Critical theory. race theory. They're going to well, keep teaching this stuff. Critical race theory isn't about race as much. It's taking communist uh, thought process and replacing race with class. Okay, I don't know. I've never taken a critical race theory class. I'd always heard it has something to do with blaming the, you know, blaming the white man for all of the other people's problems or something like that. But sure, yeah, I just know. I just hear what I hear, and I don't know what the what the truth is about that. But you know, I really wouldn't care what the, the colleges do if it weren't for the what they can. if it weren't for the fact that the colleges are taking taxpayer dollars to do these things. Because if you're not taking taxpayer dollars, then you can go ahead and have your racist college if you want to. I don't care. I don't have to pay for it, right? So that's the way it ought to be. Uh, that there should be no government funding of college whatsoever. And I'm, I'm in, in when I say no government funding, I'm also including the college loans. I don't think that the government should be giving those out either. It should all be privately done. You figure out how to get your college funded. Let the colleges compete for uh, the students that are out there. Let the prices come down, by the way, because the fact that the government, the state, the uh, the federal gang is funding these college loans is one of the reasons why colleges can just keep on jacking up the rates. Because they essentially and know they can, they can just raise the rates and, and keep raising the rates because they can charge anything they want to, ultimately, even though there's supposedly competition, if they all just raise their rates like a cartel, the federal government will just keep signing the checks. They will. And it's worth pointing out that many of the top colleges, I can't say Harvard specifically, I haven't looked into this, but many of the top colleges, I know MIT has all of its curriculum online. Now, no one's going to say MIT is anything but a top-tier institution. Mm -hmm. So you can now get a top-tier education, and have been able to do this for over a decade, get a top-tier education for free. College education isn't what costs you money when it comes to college. It's brand recognition, the sheepskin, um, the networking, and all the other stuff that goes into it. The education isn't what you can get the education. It's free. And that's the way it should be. Um, and people shouldn't have the value for a college degree. And fewer people have a value for a college degree these days, by the way. Uh, in the, the whole COVID situation, as that passed by and we found that people were desperate to hire. And now may, maybe that situation isn't as dire as it was a year ago. But still, I see now hiring signs everywhere. I don't know. Well, you're not in the U.S. right now, Mark. But uh, the last time you were, I don't know what it was like down south. But up here, it's just all over the place still. Uh, there's a ton of ton of people hiring, so it's like still. I think it is a uh, essentially an employee's market. They can kind of yeah. name their price. To, I think it's interesting. Extent. It seems like there are a lot of 
you know, things I've read online suggest that a lot of people are applying in some locations for these jobs and that basically the jobs are paying too little. I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if inflation is moving so quickly that people are um, saying, hey, this this paycheck isn't good enough to do this job, so I'm not going to take the job. Uh, It's possible. Yeah, it's still hard to know why people aren't working. I mean, obviously, some people are on welfare and they've gotten stuck there. But uh, and then there's you know restrictions on immigration that may be making it more difficult for uh, migrants to come up and take the jobs that they uh, they would normally take. But still, it does seem like that these businesses are desperate to hire. I mean, if you can fog a mirror, they're going to take you. And so, what we saw happening in the last couple of years was businesses who previously were saying well, you need to have a college degree, said, mm, yeah, that's not that important anymore. We'll just take you as long as you know you can get up on and come here on time, essentially. So the uh, requirements to get through the job uh, application process in a lot of jobs that previously had been college only uh, have loosened up, as I understand it. So that college degree just isn't worth what it once was, and I think that is a good thing. Of course, they're still charging more for it. The college degree, the cost of the college degree continues to rise, and until we actually have some free market competition in the area of you know, degrees and loans and things like that, you're going to keep seeing it be more and more expensive and keep seeing the return on investment getting worse and worse, where we see so many young people saddled with, as you were pointing out earlier, Mark, you know, years and years uh, decades worth of debt from this so-called education, and they still don't have a job in the area that they got the degree in. I mean, it's just this story just keeps getting told over and over again. And I think that that's what's worth um, talking about when it comes to college. I think that's what's important to say is is that, um, ladies and gentlemen, young young people everywhere, be careful of the college trap. It's not that college is necessarily bad. It's not that cheese is necessarily bad. Cheese stuck in a rat trap is bad. Getting a college degree that is worthless because you were told that you needed to go to 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th grade and being saddled with tens of thousands. I mean, it's it's not even surprising to hear the word $50,000 worth of debt. I mean, $50,000 worth of debt walking out into the world with a useless degree in uh, racial studies or mm. God knows what else is out there. Communication. Political science. Right. <laughs> you know, the I'm a liberal uh, badge. <laughs> you know? mm. Uh, There is a quote here in the CNBC story that I have from the Supreme Court uh, dissenters, Sotomayor, uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, said, quote, Today this court stands in the way and rolls back decades of precedent and momentous progress. She called the ruling profoundly wrong and devastating and that the majority, quote, holds that race can no longer be used in a limited way in college admissions to achieve such critical benefits. She further argued the Supreme Court, quote, cements a superficial rule of colorblindness as a constitutional principle in an endemically segregated society where race has always mattered and continues to matter. So what I hear from this person is that she just thinks race is so important and that we should focus on race and that race needs to continue to be an issue. Whereas from my perspective, 
We should be looking at individuals as individuals. We shouldn't be judging people based on the color of their skin at all. And she seems to believe that the opposite is true. So, I mean, she's basically straight up making a racist statement here. I I have to agree with you on this one. Yet it's uh, t- to me, there are people that make a living out of dividing people based on race. Right. And I am sick and tired personally of being divided based on race. I had an interesting conversation with a friend today. We were walking past a bar and it was an Irish bar and they had your traditional drunk leprechaun on the front. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was just asked, you know, Hey, can you think of any other circumstance where any other ethnicity it's acceptable to play upon the the uh, you know preconceptions of that particular ethnicity now i happen to be about a quarter irish i kind of identify as irish to some extent and i can't imagine where you could get the uh, miserly jew bar <laughs> the drunken indian bar <laughs> the drunken indian bar yeah you're right, right? that wouldn't fly yeah. You know, like I, 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 I don't even know what could, you could do with the Scotsman. I kind of uh-huh. feel like you could do something with a Scotsman um, and, you know, get away with it. I mean, you know, there's the I, the best I could come up with was Italians. You mm-hmm. can make an Italian gangster bar and it's OK. OK. okay. And that's it. You literally can do nothing else from mm-hmm. what I can tell. And, um, you know, I mean racism appears to be acceptable in some aspects and and not in others. I think we've covered this story, Mark. Was there anything else about it that you wanted to share? No, I think that that's uh, pretty much what I wanted to get out into it is, is that, um, you know, there's a, the people are going to be talking about this for a long time to come. I generally consider this good. I think racism bad. And I think racism in all its forms bad. Um, if you have another opinion, I'd be happy to hear it. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Indeed. Uh, so we've got the story here that I think ties in what we were talking about earlier with kids not being taught entrepreneurial uh, spirit and drive. Uh, and the Washington Post reporting on a woman in Alabama, Crystal Johnson, and her eight-year-old son Cameron. They happen to be black, by the way. Uh, turned their hand-painted lemonade stand into Cam's Lemonade, a full-blown business that now sells their product at grocery stores, which is amazing. Uh, Who's Cam again? Cam is her son. Cameron, the son, the eight-year-old. Eight year okay. so, yeah, uh, that's in, what I wanted to know. Yeah. In that time, the Alabama mom said she saw her shy boy come out of his shell, learn how to handle money, and turn into a budding entrepreneur. She said she wanted to impart those skills on other kids through a one-day apprenticeship on July 9th. The plan was simple. Children between the ages of 6 and 10 would send her a, quote, resume, which was a letter that they uh, explaining they wanted uh, what they wanted to be when they grew up. And Johnson would, quote, hire two of them to act as a smiler and a greeter. After a two-hour shift, a grueling two-hour shift, uh, helping to sell some freshly made lemonade, she offered to pay each of them $20. But This this woman is a hero. Yes, and she's going to get treated like one by the Alabama government. Uh Uh, Just after she promoted the apprenticeship on social media last week, she said someone complained to the Alabama Department of Labor. You know, I also feel like nobody who works for the government should be able to complain. 
You a know lot what? Of times if it you, is government people who complain. If you decided to work for this enforcement agency, you don't get to decide who complain. You don't get to be one of the complainers. Yeah. The complainers must come from the citizenry. You have stepped out of the citizenry and you are now a bureaucrat and bureaucrats don't, don't get to count. complain. Yeah, I like that. That's Cuz you rule. know it was you know it was. It Good was chance. one of these bureaucrats saying, "Oh, this is a violation." I think their husband and wife shouldn't uh, qualify either. Like any direct family, let's let's even exclude indirect family as well. Like you know, mom and on uh, mom and dads and you know people like that. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Anybody who shares same uh, last name, a, you're, you're a out. Quarter DNA, a quarter percent of DNA, <laughs> or uh, happens to be or through marriage. So somebody complained to the Alabama Department of Labor that she was trying. To recruit young children, a violation of the state's child labor laws. She told the Washington Post, listen, I know a six-year-old doesn't have a resume, so it was never about me trying to employ. (laughs) I love how she has to explain this to the mouth-breathing dullards out there that may be like, sounds like it might be legal. You know what? Somebody, this is the kind of crap that a revolution has been thrown over. As yeah. a matter of fact, the Jasmine Revolution that occurred in the Muslim countries came from a guy who was just trying to sell fruit. Mm. Yes, bureaucrats were shot, stinner of mass. They were impaled. Their heads were put on pikes over this kind of bullcrap. And that's yep. the problem with America is we don't do that stuff anymore. There hasn't been a good tarring and feathering in a long time. Well, I don't think violence is uh, going to solve the the problem, but I do understand the frustration, you know, that uh, where now, you're I don't coming think violence from is really the solution, but that's how it was done before, mm-hmm. right? Like violence was the solution at one point. Now the government has the monopoly on violence, nearly so. And like Joe Biden said, they can drone bomb you from anywhere, and they probably will. But you can still not put up with this. No, that's true. I mean, there are things that can be done here. Now, I don't know if they can be done in Alabama or if... Well, we can talk about solutions here in a little bit. Thankfully, they haven't actually drone-bombed the lemonade stand quite yet. It hasn't gotten that bad, but they are going to threaten this woman. And that is what the Department of Labor does. They threaten people who decide they want to live free and decide they want to uh, put people to work who they claim can't possibly work. Well, that's not true. The Department of uh, Labor will absolutely let you work if you are under the age of, what was it here? He's Uh, eight, this guy. Yeah, they will let eight-year-olds work. They absolutely will. A, you can work in Hollywood being a child actor. And I know that sounds really mild and everything, but how about the the people, you know, that pick fruit and vegetables? There's literally eight-year-olds, and I'll bet you there were today in America, eight-year-olds picking fruits and vegetables that you will eat really yes because, why because they're like the son or daughter of the farm, farm workers owner? no not the son or daughter these are the uh, sons or daughters of migrant workers in many cases it's that's legal there's a carve out for that yep it's wow. just the child labor that they ex- they don't want i see interesting in this case they this- want little cameron to be stuck in in school until 18 years old right. and have every bit of entrepreneurial spirit squeezed Crushed. out of him so he can go work for the Alabama some local Alabama municipal government mm-hmm. rather than getting a real job. Yep. Uh you wouldn't need a real job. I mean if he if he was able to and again, he's able to because he's her son. So he can work at the lemonade stand. Yep. And that's fine. 
Uh, in the same way, remember uh, well, that place in a lot of places in, eliminate stands illegal, Ian. That's true. Uh, thankfully, not in New Hampshire. But remember that place out in Westmoreland, the Stuart and Johns, where they literally have little kids walking around serving uh, people at their at tables and busting the tables and things like that. And I yep. think somebody told me that they're all the family. Like every one of these kids is part of this big family. So probably some religious family. I don't know what their religion is, but uh, well, that's but, how Jack got a job working for the family. Yeah, there was a cousin, and uh, you know there, it was fine for him to work at the uh, the family as long as or the family restaurant, so long as it didn't uh, affect. Um, it wasn't you know it wasn't a uh, it wasn't serving alcohol. I see. And so there you go. Yep. But turns out you're related to a lot of people you don't know about. <laughs> right. Well, maybe she needs to try that particular uh, approach here. But in this case, as soon as you bring somebody, this in- is my cousin. Yeah, as soon as you bring somebody in who's outside the family and then it becomes a crime that the Department of Labor thinks they need to get involved with. Uh, with. So she explained to the Washington Post, she said, I was just trying to make it look a bit professional so the kids could have fun and learn really yeah. valuable life skills while yes. at it. Again, I will say it, uh, this segment, too, this lady is a hero. Absolutely. We need more people like her. Uh, in recent months, child labor has become a national talking point following a surge in high-profile cases involving mostly migrant children working dangerous jobs. The Labor Department has seen a 69% increase in minors employed in violation of federal law since 2018. At the same time, efforts to roll back child labor protections have advanced through state legislatures across the country. Well, hallelujah, if that's the case. And uh, maybe if there's any state reps listening here in New Hampshire, maybe we need to roll that crap back if there is any in New Hampshire, unless it's all federal. I imagine there's a lot of federal uh, 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 overriding the, uh, the local state government rules in this case. The uh, Johnson's Business, a venture that consists of her preparing batches of lemonade from a rented commercial kitchen and then transporting the bottles by car, quote, faced no penalties and was not threatened with any penalties, claimed the spokes bureaucrat for the Alabama Department of Labor. Rather, a child labor inspector gave Johnson a call explaining how the apprenticeship could run afoul of the state's protections for minors. Let me tell you. And of course, that person didn't give her legal advice on how to actually uh, administer a entrepreneurial education program that might benefit the people of her, the young people of her community. That person just said, yeah, this looks like it might be illegal. Yeah, that is a threat. Okay, because these bureaucrats aren't here to protect you. They're not here to educate your children. Ladies and gentlemen, when when are we going to figure it out? No, they're here to protect the established businesses. They're here to attack, you know, protect the established lemonade uh, manufacturers in this particular case. And to claim that she was, quote, not threatened with any penalties is just to be, I mean, of course, they're going to lie. I mean, they're just dishonest. When the bureaucrat called Ms. Johnson and, quote, explained how the apprenticeship could run afoul of the state's protections for minors, that's the threat right there. That's the threat. It, you don't have to tr- you don't have to trot out what the penalty might be to be making a threat. All you have to say is you're going to violate you may be violating our rules. And that's enough to make most people say, "Well, oh, crap, I better stop doing what I'm doing." Right, because by the way, they continue to get the same paychecks all along. The lawyers who work for them get the same paychecks all along. You, if you run afoul of their little rules, have to hire an attorney. That's right, yeah. To prove that you did not run afoul of their rules, and that's going to cost you 
in all likelihood, tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, I want to talk more about this. There's more to the story because, again, she was going to do this thing on July 9th where she was going to help train kids on how to run a lemonade stand, basically. And the state, well, you won't be surprised to learn, they talked her out of it. There's more coming up here. The number is 603-283-6160. And by that, I mean threatened her out of it. It's Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. And, of course, you can bring up anything you want. We're talking about a really just an awful story, yet another lemonade stand uh, targeted by the government thugs. In this case, it's Alabama. And it's a bit of a different story. Your typical lemonade stand story just involves, you know, kids setting up a lemonade stand in the neighborhood or whatever, and then cops coming by and threatening them. In this case, uh, the lemonade stand itself isn't illegal, but the woman whose son is running the lemonade stand decided she was going to help other kids learn how to run their own lemonade stand, learn some of the basics of running a business, And she was even going to pay them uh, to come there and work as a smiler and a greeter at the lemonade stand. Kids between the age of 6 and 10 after they sent in a quote-unquote resume, which would be a letter. Arduous labor, clearly. (laughs) Right. Uh, In the hot sun, smiling and greeting. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and they came after her for this. The so-called Department of Labor gave her a call. And explained how the apprenticeship could run afoul of the state's protections for minors. And the protections they're talking about are going to protect these kids right out of learning life skills. Learning some of the most important life skills that a young person can learn. In this case, how to smile and be nice to a customer. How to actually be welcoming into a business, showing up on time, and just generally being positive. I mean, these are basic skills that somebody who's starting their first job should understand and the state is just saying no you couldn't possibly be allowed to do this because someone might make a profit that's actually what they say here quote kids that age can volunteer for their church or other nonprofit but a sure. 6 year old cannot work for a for profit business said the state spokes bureaucrat from the department of labor Adding that Johnson, as the sole owner of her business, is free to employ her own child, quote, provided they are under her supervision and not performing hazardous duties. So it's fine. You can educate your own kids, and you certainly should if you have them into, you know, running their own business and entrepreneurial spirit and the things they need to know about those things. But if you want to help their friends learn something, and maybe even make a few bucks while they're learning a thing, because that's the best way to learn is to, you know, get paid to train. Uh, nope, can't do that. Can't possibly help your neighbors. Can't possibly help your son's friends learn anything because, well, something. <laughs> I mean, what's the rationale for this? What What do they say? For the people out there who actually support these labor laws because we're not talking about you know putting the kid in the factory and having him lose an arm in the equipment right because that's the old excuse for why they need to have child labor laws 
Well, it was an excuse uh, because they didn't want kids competing with adults and driving down the cost of labor. Sure. In yeah, part. Oh, yeah. Right. The, uh, the I mean, labor I'm sure unions. there's some good reasons not to have kids working. I, I'm sure there are. I don't think that this is libertarianism's very strongest issue, but I'd like people to at least understand some of the arguments that go towards it, um, that, in fact, you're only going to learn how to work by working. I started working That's at right. 12 years old, and it was probably legal. I don't know for sure, but it probably was because I was working for comic books at a comic book store. Mm. By the time I was 15, I'd had three years of experience and they hired me in, um, started paying me in U.S. dollars. And, um, you know, that was great. I loved that, too. Uh, I loved the comic book part, too. And then I worked there till I was 18 years old. And yeah, I, I am so grateful. I learned more at that job than I did at the time, you know, from going to high school. Absolutely. Uh, and I was also working at a very, very young age with my mom in, in her shop in, in Florida. Let's go to the phones here. There's more about the lemonade stand, though. Uh, we've got Chuck on the line in Washington State. Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, I did all that. Paper routes, lemonade stand. It's an important part of your human development here in America, I think. Absolutely. I uh, wanted to touch on the issue that your uh, counterpart there brought up. I don't know if it was in context to prior conversations that you had or whatever, but you were talking about the public flogging and tar and feathering or whatever, how they should bring it back. I he did say something you, about that, yeah. Yeah, don't you think that with the social media and how cruel people can be without all the context to the fact or the, the, the without all the background can be on social media to somebody that has been accused of committing a crime? I mean, I can think of several little uh, s-hole communities here across America that have these attack websites on Facebook and Twitter or whatever or accounts. Basically, they, what they do is they find people that are accused of crimes, and they, uh, you know, it's an extrajudicial punishment they taking people try to them social before, media. They, they try them before yeah. they've ever gotten um, convicted. Mm -hmm. Plus, the vast majority of people never get con really convicted because they don't get a fair trial. They're basically you know, the, the system is designed that people waive their fair trial in order to not face punitive punishments in case they do lose. Um, yeah, sure. I see that all the time. I would also, do you think that's a, don't you think that's sufficient? And then place, cause I'm with you. I don't like to see, I wouldn't want, I don't think violence would change a thief's heart. And, um, I don't even think this, this kind of tactic will either, but well, it, I'll it, ask I'll ask this question. Um, you know, there was a time in America that being a tax collector was a dangerous profession. There was a time in America where entering a community um, and under the color of law and attempting to, I don't know, keep kids from setting up a lemonade stand, for instance, was a dangerous thing to do. Now, here in America, everything that any government bureaucrat does or even suggests appears to be slathered over, and I don't even know how to turn that back. So much so that I've left the United States. I've said, you know what? Sayonara, statists. Y'all are doomed. Japan? I did not move to Japan. Japan's even more oh. statist. No, he's in uh, Guatemala well, at the sayonara? moment. Oh, come on. Oh, I see. <laughs> hey, thanks, Clever. Chuck, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, let's continue. Tom is in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Tom. 
the federal government prosecuted the former Speaker of the Ohio House of Representatives, Larry Householder, for taking bribes. And I don't see, I'm not sure how they figure that the U.S. Constitution gives Congress the power to impose laws against bribery uh, in uh, state government. But anyway, they do that. They prosecuted a number of state legislators for taking bribes. Uh, the former Speaker of the uh, New York State Assembly, it, it happened to him a bunch of years ago. But uh, the thing is that the federal government is simultaneously bribing these politicians uh, with stolen money mm -hmm. saying we'll give you more highway construction money if you commit an unforgivable hate crime against people under 21 than if you do not. Mm -hmm. And of course, the people under 21 have no reason to care if their state government is going to lose millions of highway construction dollars because they're not the ones collecting kickbacks from the uh, contractors. They're not the ones getting reelected by doling out the nice cushy jobs to the powerful labor unions. Uh, they don't have any reason to care uh, if the state loses millions of dollars in federal highway construction money. Uh, selling their freedom to Congress for highway construction money is uh, no better than a mother uh, selling her daughter to a rapist to get money for cocaine. <laughs> See, but it's not bribing when they do it, Tom. It's only incentivizing. And, and by the way, what you were talking about, the kind of intimidation that was going on about the lemonade stands, uh, the cops say that they are out to deter people from breaking the laws. But don't forget that deter means intimidate. They mean the same thing. It's just that deter is you say it when you think it's good and mm. it, uh, intimidate when you think it's bad. It's kind of like loneliness and solitude are the same thing. It's just that loneliness is bad and solitude good is good. But well, thanks, thanks, Tom, for the I, call tonight. I appreciate it. I found it interesting that uh, I don't know if I think it was today that the uh, the Parkland shooter, the police officer, one of the police officers uh, that refused to go into the school when the mm -hmm. Parkland shooter was in there massacring kids. Um, that one of these police officers that was up on trial was just found not guilty for failing to confront the shooter and to protect children. Um, you know, they just. Like, I don't know what he was doing, but it it clearly wasn't what, uh, you know, we expect mm -hmm. police officers to be paid to do. What Do you know what the charge was that he was facing? I'd have to go into this a little more. It's just basically he was found, uh, you know, not guilty for, mm. you know, doing his job. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, let, let's face it. Americans expect a cop with a gun to go into a school to stop a shooter with a gun. And he didn't do it. There's no obligation, though. You know, we know that, right? Like, so how I anyone could that, have expected that's him why, to? That's why it's important to distinguish between what we know and what the audience generally knows, because the audience right. often will think things like, "Well, the police officers are here to protect us," and the evidence is clearly in the opposite direction from this. Obviously, uh, and we've had a huge. Uh, at least we've been. Uh, we've rode. Uh, roughshod over a period of time where people's opinion on police has changed dramatically to the point that people don't want to grow up and be cops anymore. I, I think mean, that's a good thing. Law enforcement. Well, I think that law enforcement in America needs to rebrand itself. And I think that rebranding really needs to take a look at the heart of what they do. Well, they could go back to being peace officers, which would be, you know, the type of person whose job it is to simply 
stop the peace from being breached, stop violence from happening, go after people who actually commit violence instead of just trying to raise revenue. You know, that's what their fo- their main focus is. It's a lot easier to s- snatch people off the streets for possession of uh, of alcohol with under you know underage, or uh, snatch somebody up for some other kind of drug violation or speeding or whatever other nonviolent uh, victimless acts. What it continues also to- do the right thing when it comes to dogs and children. Let's go to CW. He's in Arizona listening to K Talks. Go ahead, CW. KTOX, baby, the best radio station in the tri-state area. Welcome, sir. What's um, on your mind? Oh, the lemonade stand. I love driving by those and just laughing at them because they're yelling, lemonade, lemonade. And that's one of the biggest, uh, one of the important things they learn is failure. They don't sell all the product. Mm -hmm. So that means they have to use it or lose it. So they got to drink their own craft that they make. What is it? Lemon flavored water. That's probably flavored. That's pretty pretty mean, man. I mean, you don't know what, you don't know what's in their lemonade. You didn't, you didn't stop to ask. Do they have an ingredient list? Can I say, hey, I want to see I bet the they do, actually. I bet you could ask them well, what they put they in do, it. But I guarantee they're probably using crappy artificial sweeteners that are carcinogenic anyways, <laughs> just because the parents want to make lemonade. for. How, do you, how can you I, guarantee that? You've never on, actually how, pulled wait, over wait to talk second. to them. How many of the parents do you think are uh, behind the lemonade stand that kids have out there? Oh, I think probably 95% of the parents are saying, okay, kids, let's make some lemonade so you can sell it. And then blah blah, and they use their crappy ass sweeteners. Well, That's I think that I, I got I got I got your feeling as far as sweeteners, and I tend to share. Uh, that and that's kind of what you're expecting when you get the lemonade, um, but I I'm trying to understand exactly where you're coming from, and I think this is important. Do you think the parents are sending kids out to earn money and then taking and then clawing off a piece of it because <laughs> hey we're the parents, or do you think that the parents are saying hey this is a good lesson in entrepreneurship, the well, and, and, and like- widely societally accepted. Like I said from the beginning, that it's a good experience to know that you're not going to sell all of your product. So, yes, they will have a sense of failure. Now, do they drink the stuff themselves? When do you think the the failure should come, though? I mean, don't you think that failure should come after success? Because I always stop whenever I see a lemonade stand every single time. And I'll usually take a sip of it and I'll take it into the car. And you're right. I don't finish it. Because I do have a real problem with the, uh, the you know, the artificial sweeteners or whatever. And it's fine by me that somebody might drive by. I don't know whether you'll be successful. I mean, in some cases, I mean, we're just talking about a pitcher of artificial lemonade here, right? Um, oh, so, yeah. you know, I mean, a half a pitcher I left over. Big funny, whoop. Though. I just think it's funny. Just, just let them, I don't know. I, I, I don't see why they should be having to. I guess if they want to do it for fun, sure, it's a little experience. Well, one thing's for sure. If you run a business, there's going to be some jerk that acts like you, CW, and is rude. No, don't say that. And, don't say, yeah, you're don't, acting don't, like a jerk. It's and that's for Hey, hey, why are you Wait, being, CW, being like that? CW, can you describe your position as anything but jerk? You guys are mean. Stop it. I'm not being mean. I asked you a question. He can dish it out, but he can't take it. I asked you to describe your position, CW. No, I'm not very successful myself. I'm a struggling plumber. I do what I can, and I fail at most of the things that I do. So I think it's a good thing that kids are failing. That's ridiculous. I think they they should be kids and not be working. They should be doing other stuff. They should be being kids. 
See, you're part of the you're part of the problem, CW. You're the oh, kind of person who no, thinks that these kids are. shouldn't be out on the streets Ian, doing lemonade sales, and you're trying Ian, to discourage them. Huh? Ian, stop d- it. Stop what? Stop being so mean to me. Oh, buck up. <laughs> Bye now. The number is 603-283-6160. I don't know if he was uh, tongue-in-cheek on that or if he was actually serious about it. I mean, I, I get the I perspective that him. somebody has to experience failure. I mean, in the in the world of business, you are inevitably going to experience failure. You're not necessarily going to... Uh, the first thing that you try may not work, probably won't. Maybe the first five things that you try uh, may not work, and you will have to go through failure at some point. Even even the the thing that ends up becoming a success, you may have to get over a, you know some humps of failure in that. So I get that, but to to relish being the the failure aspect, to relish being that guy that's going to laugh at some kids on the side of the road or insult their uh, their lemonade to their face or whatever it is that he's talking about doing, is that's that's just. I think there's some some sickness there, personally. It, it sounds like a villain, right? Like, um, yeah. I'm all for education on uh, nutrition and everything like that. Yeah, well, I, then, I think you got to, if you're I selling something to the people, are, you're going to get asked about that. And I think that would be a fair question to walk up. I know Bonnie probably would. She'd probably walk up and say, what, what sweeteners are you using in this? And if it isn't sugar, then you can say, all right, I'm not interested. Well, I, I would even go so far as sugar. I mean, sugar is just the most natural poison we have for sweetener. Um, you know, there might oh, be some geez. other things. Well, I'm sorry. Sugar's All poison. things in moderation. You'll be fine. Agreed. Uh, poison's in the dose, and overdosing on sugar will make you fat. You can overdose on water and kill yourself. I'm not sure I'd call that an overdose. <laughs> what would you call it? I'm working on that. I think that's the definition of, uh, of an overdose. Okay. Let's, let's go to the phones here. Uh, bad slave in New Hampshire. Go ahead. Howdy. What's on your mind? Well, you know, I I, I want to go back to what business does any state or federal or local uh, operation in the in the way of governance have to have to do? Well, you know. Whoever gets to tell you you can open a business or not. I mean, you know, I, I the commerce is is a natural occurrence for uh, human beings, and and there there needs to be no interference of that. I agree. I mean, it, and it, you know, unless there's going to be, you know, people trying to poison. But that, of course, would be, you know, violating our non-aggression. But, you know, it's like to have a, you know, a bunch of cops and vehicles and what have you pull up into the side street and, uh, you know, what, arrest the the perpetrators of unlicensed commerce. Well, you know, they wouldn't go that far right out the gate, but ultimately that is the threat that backs everything that they do is that they will kidnap you and they will throw you in a cage. 
Uh, and they, and usually they don't have to get to that point because, like in this case, the mom decided she wasn't going to go through with her plans. She canceled the plans to help these young people between the ages of six and ten learn, uh, you know, how to smile at a business and how to, you know, be nice to customers and get and get paid for it. So all of that stuff got called off because they. She knows that at some point the men with guns will show up and do those things. Thank you, Bad Slave, for the call tonight. Uh, the number here is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. You know, since he was calling from New Hampshire, there was a bit of uh, good news today that was announced by uh, Matt Santanastasso, who's the highest-rated liberty rep here in New Hampshire. we got a bunch of libertarians who've been elected as uh, Republicans and a couple Democrats, I think, here in New Hampshire. And he announced that apparently New Hampshire has passed and has been signed by the governor at this point a uh, universal licensing reciprocation law, I think is the terminology for it. Yeah. So if you are a uh, licensed fill in the blank, I, we just had a guy call in who was a plumber. Uh, if you were a licensed plumber in Florida and you moved to New Hampshire, then you don't have to get another license. I guess they'll just they'll acknowledge that the license in Florida is valid, uh, which is interesting because it's the opposite. I of- haven't gotten an answer on this, but I do have a question. What if you're a licensed, say, realtor mm-hmm. in Honduras? Mm. Yeah. Is that licensure then? Is the reciprocity uh, in New Hampshire? That's a great question, and it does call it, into question. Or is it more of this free state project? Only fifty states exist, kind of. Yeah, thing. I don't know. That's an excellent question. I, I I don't know if they use the term universal uh, accurately, or, or if it is even used in this uh, case. But that's an excellent question, Mark. And I wish we had a state representative on the line who could answer that, or someone from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance at nhliberty.org that does a great job of cataloging and rating all of these bills. But that could be a modification. Uh, if it's not included this year, the fact that it was able to pass uh, does suggest that perhaps something like that to make it even more inclusive of the rest of the world uh, would possibly be the case. Of course, New Hampshire may not even have a license for some things, like being a contractor, as I understand it, doesn't require a license in New Hampshire at all. And hopefully we'll see... That's New why ha- reciprocity is easy. <laughs> well, I mean, they're talking about in the areas in which uh, there are licenses. And uh, so hopefully we'll see New Hampshire abolishing licensing in more professions in the future. But I think in the meantime, this is a step in the right direction. Let's talk to Conejo. He's on the I would, line. In- I would like to recommend if people want to follow this a little more thoroughly, they can go to Twitter and follow in eight at NH pilled. They will have something to say. I would recommend following at free state NH, but they have me blocked. <laughs> uh, so Conejo is on the line in FEMA region 13. Go ahead. Hey guys, how are you? Hey, what's on your mind? Um, I think a few days ago, Aria was saying that uh, crypto was a failure, um, becoming centralized, etc. Uh, I was just calling with an update on some things. Um, there's, she was also talking about how, um, what is it called, the the Bitcoin um, buying website was closed down. Uh, Bitcoin Local desk. Bitcoins. Oh. Right, local Bitcoin. Yeah, there's a there's another site called localmonero.co. Correct, still up. Yep, that's um, right. It is it is it's centralized, but um, you can buy Monero locally with cash, Correct. gold, silver, um, or checks by yep. mail or in person. <clears throat> um, there's also a decentralized version of that called uh, Havino Dex that's launching mm-hmm. in about a month. That's cool. You'll be able to buy. Uh, yeah, you'll be able, able to buy Monero with um, crypto cash, gold, silver, gold backs. Um, I actually helped 
kind of push that. Yeah, I'm very interested in hearing more about that when it launches. I wish I I had, uh, when I heard that discussion, it was from the Porcupine Freedom Festival where Aria was, uh, I think I used the term black-pilled to describe it when I was being interviewed on the Free State Projects uh, show, which they do uh, a show called Free State Live. They did it from Porkfest. But I wasn't there for the discussion with Aria, and I wish I had been as another of the uh, members of the Crypto Six. She's pretty frustrated, as you might expect someone who's going to prison for 18 months to be frustrated. And I can understand why that would factor into her decision to essentially say that crypto has lost and that it's all over and done with. And I strongly disagree with that uh, particular viewpoint. I think that there's a lot to be optimistic about. And I'd, I'd like to you know, expound on that just a little bit, maybe get Mark to weigh in here uh, as well. Conejo, if you want to hang on the line for uh, for that, I, I appreciate it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. And, you know, even as I am facing up to potentially life in prison for the eight victimless so-called crimes that I was uh, convicted of in the Crypto 6 case, I still think that uh, cryptocurrency has a bright future, even if it's not maybe the brightest right now in the United States. Um, that's not the whole world. And there's a lot of really exciting things that are being developed out there. We're only going to be able to touch on a few of them. The number is 603-283-6160. Our number three is on the way. You can join the show. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. is free talk live joining us here as we kick off the third hour of the show the phones are open of course at 603-283-6160 at 603-283-6160 it's ian and mark here tonight i'm here in Keene, new hampshire mark's down in guatemala and we'll take your calls and thoughts about what you want we were talking about uh, working as a child quote-unquote child labor there's a woman who's being targeted in alabama for daring to allow young people from uh, the age of six to ten to uh, apply to work at a lemonade stand Uh, basically to learn some of the basics of being an entrepreneur and and uh, a good worker and the department of labor came in and told her well we might just hurt you if you do that and so you probably shouldn't do that so she decided not to we'll get into the rest of the story uh because she is still going to do something and we'll uh, explain what she came up with here in a little bit but uh, conejo is on the line here in fema region 13 and conejo you had brought up a fairly i would say depressing conversation that happened on free talk live last week during the porcupine freedom festival with aria who is a host of this show that is currently in federal prison on an 18 month sentence for the dastardly so-called crime of selling Bitcoin without government permission. And so she is understandably black-pilled when it comes to cryptocurrency and its future in the United States. And, of course, she cites not only what has happened to her and the rest of the Crypto Six and other people who have sold Bitcoin and have gone and faced criminal penalties for that. She also, of course, cites the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, and their attack against various different cryptocurrency exchanges in civil court like uh, crypto uh, or Coinbase and Binance and uh, Bittrex and the list goes on. They're, of course, going after crypto projects like Library and Ripple and 
and uh, and on and on and on. And then, of course, the CFTC, the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, with the lawsuit right now against Binance. So it definitely seems like it's a full court press against cryptocurrency in the United States. I can understand why somebody in her position would be so uh, bummed about this, especially as she's poured years of her life into seeing these things move forward only to be uh, shot down, punished, have her Bitcoin stolen from her, and then thrown in jail for uh, you know prison for 18 months. So, so I get it. But Caneo, it sounds like you are pretty optimistic. Yeah, uh, besides that uh, decentralized exchange where you can run it on your own computer phone and uh, just hook up with local people to meet to exchange cash, gold, silver, gold backs, or check. Is this the Havino or, Dex uh, thing that you mentioned earlier? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a decentralized version, decentralized protocol version of the local Monero.co. Oh, that's website, awesome. Which was basically a clone of the local Bitcoin website that closed down. Now, is the local Monero um, uh, owners involved in Haveno Dex, or is it just somebody else that's that's putting this one together? No, the local Monero people are located, I think, in uh, Scandinavia somewhere. But ah, okay. uh, the Haveno thing is. Done on in the, as you can done in the U.S. by developers worldwide, but kind of spearheaded by the developers of one of the more popular wallets. Um, so you're saying they're doing this. That, some of them are based in the U.S. They should get out if they have the uh, the potential to get out of the United States. They should go ahead and grab their crypto uh, and get the hell out because it is definitely a very very scary time to be in the in the crypto industry inside the United States. Very dangerous. Uh, especially to be focusing on a privacy coin, because you're saying Havino Dex is going to be selling Monero, correct? Correct, yeah. And it is open source. It's a FLOSS, uh, free Libre open source software, so it's being developed by anonymous developers mm-hmm. around the world. Okay. Um, I just know that one of the people kind of spearheading some of the efforts, um, I, I don't know if he's U.S.-based, but he might be. Um, but besides that, there's also a uh, there are people working on a Goldbacks Monero ATM. Yeah, so basically just cutting fiat completely. Where are they so based out of? Transmitting. Uh, that was announced on the Monerotopia podcast, um, and it sounds like someone in based in Alaska is nice. kind of putting a. Team I know together. somebody um, here in New Hampshire has been working on a Goldback vending machine that I think would take cash. But I think your your point's really interesting to where. Uh, there would be no dollars involved. It would be people putting gold backs into a machine and like a like a, essentially a crypto vending machine and getting Monero vended out into their wallet. Is that what the proposal is? Yeah. So then there's no money transmission. Wow. Well, at least <laughs> that's your well, interpretation, yeah. uh, Conejo. I don't know <laughs> if the federal government would interpret that the same way because ultimately they are uh, you know they they're trying to take me down for so-called money transmission with regards to not the dollars, but what happened to the Bitcoin. So they're they're trying to allege that simply sending Bitcoin to somebody is so-called money transmission. Well, the, the great thing about gold, precious metals, and Monero is they're all very, they're fungible, mm-hmm. which uh, means that you can't, there's no transaction history attached to them. You can't mm. see who sent it, who received it, the That's amount, a good point. Um, the home IP address. Uh, so it's it's not like a public ledger surveillance coin like Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, that won't stop them from sending an undercover IRS agent in and having him uh, pump some gold backs into the machine to deliver Monero into a government-controlled wallet. 
and then uh, he goes over to the store owner and tells him he's a heroin dealer and then walks back in to buy some more uh, Monero from the machine. And if the store owner doesn't tackle him and pre- you know physically prevent him from making the purchase, they're going to call that money uh, laundering. And then he'll face up to 20 years in prison. Well, the, the good thing is the more resistance you add on their overhead, their uh, return on violence, the less they can enforce. Kind of like how uh, marijuana is federal, federally illegal, but there's stores that were popping up on Main Street and the uh, uh, ATF, or excuse me, the um, Drug Enforcement Agency, their 6,000 agents couldn't play whack-and-mole fast enough to mm. close them all down. Now half the U.S. states are telling the federal government to go pound sand. Yeah, I uh, I, I think that, that that is one of the reasons why I think crypto ultimately will be successful down the, the line is that it is something that they really ultimately, at the end of the day, cannot control no matter how hard that they try. Uh, they are certainly trying to intimidate people into being afraid to use it, being afraid to run businesses surrounding it, and they may have some level of success with that. Like, I wouldn't blame anyone who says to themselves, you know what, I was going to start selling on local Monero or Havino decks or whatever, but no, now I'm not going to do that uh, and, and because they are afraid of what the potential penalties might be. But you are correct, Conejo, the more people that jump in, the more people that offer uh, cryptocurrency for sale in various different places across the U.S., you know, the more difficult it will be to take everybody down. Uh, but that said, it is risky, and I think people should know what the risks are uh, be- before they get into that. Highly and it's risky. worth pointing out that people that uh, that you know, like the risk doesn't exist elsewhere. There are myriad places on planet Earth where you can create a Monero ATM, and it is not some kind of jailable offense. Mm. I'm not prepared to say that crypto died in 2023. Nor am I prepared to say that the United States is the best place to be if you're looking for the next step, the next evolution in currency. In fact, I would go so far as to say the place that I wouldn't be choose to say that Rome was the best place when whatever the currency that was going to replace the, you know, the Roman currency was coming around. I wish I knew what the Roman currency was, Lyra. <laughs> um, whatever that was, you know, like. The dying beast is always the one that thrashes the hardest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I've been given the advice for some time. Get out of America. Yeah. If you are a crypto person, I think that's sound advice is, you know, to get out uh, of the United States. Now, what are the most friendly areas on the planet to crypto? That is would be an interesting Honduras question. Has no laws. Well, neither does the United States. Uh, the question is, are they friendly? Are they enforcing? Are they cracking down? The U.S. has no laws about cryptocurrency, but yet they are putting people in prison uh, They do over have it. laws. Um, the old, uh, you know, the, the, the system that was created in the 1880s. Uh, that is not regarding Europe. cryptocurrency. If it was created Those are in effectively the 1880s. laws. They're effectively laws. Okay? They are not regarding like, cryptocurrency. If the government says that some bizarre old law applies if, if if a government agency says that some of bizarre old law applies to cryptocurrency it does okay. until proven otherwise and i guarantee you honduras has money transmission laws they they may very well guarantee tell you that there's there's atms all over honduras and i haven't heard one there's atms all over the united states too it just depends on in fact there's thousands of them uh it it just all depends on who they want to enforce against agreed right and that's why you should leave the United States, because dozens of people have been thrown in prison for for dubious 
violations of dubious laws. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, but the question is, where, where on else earth, could just you because say they don't happened. enforce it in but Honduras doesn't mean they're red friendly. Red China. Look at red China. How many people have they thrown in prison for Bitcoin violations? I've not heard of anything like that. In I fact, haven't I've heard, heard any other country on the planet. I've heard that, that uh, Hong Kong is actually welcoming Bitcoin businesses uh, over there. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for places not where nothing is happening, but where it's actually being acknowledged as we want you to come here. We think that uh, Ian, this is exciting this developments like St. Kitts or, or Nevis. I'm not asking you to have the answers. I'm just saying aloud I don't know which ones are the best. I would like to hear about that. I know that in St. Kitts and Nevis, uh, there's a lot of Bitcoin cash activism going on. There's been a lot of businesses that have been switched over or that have begun accepting Bitcoin cash. Now, I think it deserves a follow-up to see if they're still accepting Bitcoin cash, to see if you know it's been a year or whatever and see if they're still taking it and if they actually have customers that are using it but from what it was uh what the way it made it they made it sound was that there is actually a, a good amount of people who are not only getting paid in uh, in bitcoin cash there but are also utilizing it at points of sale Caneho, well, have you heard anything my, hold about on, hold on hold on hold on my business partner alex would be upset if i didn't mention that in morazon.city that's the website morazon.city um they are currently at this moment accepting for rent a um e-cash variant that they that was created uh with the intention of sort of creating a coin for the entire country and mm -hmm. you know so you can pay your rent you can pay your power bill you can do all variety of things you can currently live entirely on this this isn't where you can go to one store and spend. This is a place where you can buy everything. That's pretty cool. In, uh, Except for like vegetables. Nevis and uh, St. Kitts, it's literally there are grocery stores that are taking Bitcoin cash. So you can awesome. go around to bars and restaurants and grocery stores. I think Burger King's taking it. Uh, there's literally a ton of places. I think more than the last time I looked, it was over 150 on the uh, on the island of St. Kitts that was accepting it. And so I've yet to hear of a place that has better business acceptance than that particular area, especially if you break it down. I, I mean, I think well, I've got 100 percent of businesses in Morazan dot city raw numbers. OK, but that's there's almost no one that lives there. But uh, okay, but raw true. numbers, uh, St. Kitts and Nevis, I believe, has more than in pretty much any other city. And of course, if you break it down per capita, I mean, they're just going to blow everybody else out of the, out of the water. But uh, Conejo, have you heard of anything about friendlier jurisdictions to say Monero and uh, and other cryptocurrencies? Um, no. Uh, besides uh, it being fairly popular in New Hampshire, uh, I think it's slightly popular in Argentina. Probably not one of the top coins traded, but I think uh, St. Kitts and Nevis they've got Bitcoin Cash. Mm -hmm. El Salvador has Bitcoin with custodial wallets mandated like by fiat, <laughs> ironically I, enough. I uh, I wish I could. I can't use cryptocurrency under my bail conditions, and it's a shame because I know the guys over at AnyPay, which is the uh, for a long time was a sponsor here on Free Talk Live, and uh, they they do really great point of sale system. That is a multi crypto point of sale system. I am is my understanding they've added Monero to AnyPay. Now what I was told was that it was only for the online AnyPay and that it wasn't working in the point of sale system for like the physical mom and pop brick and mortar businesses, but I've since heard that that may actually be working. So it would be really cool if somebody was actually has tested that for uh the point of sale because that would be the first ever 
to my knowledge, point-of-sale Monero acceptance system that has ever existed? Uh, there's a couple that have been developed. Uh, you can find on GitHub. I, I don't remember exactly what they're called at the moment. Um, but, is it, is uh, it, if it's on GitHub, do you have to like compile the program yourself and know how to program to kind of like get that stuff done? Oh, that I don't know. Yeah, usually stuff um, on GitHub is just it, code, and and then you have to you know make sure it can run and all that. I'm talking about something that is plug and play. You install the app. You put your Monero uh, address in there, and then you know it's it's there. You can just start punching in numbers and uh, and then come up with the QR code and and have somebody pay with their their Monero wallet. I wish uh, we were still. In, uh, oh. Unfortunately, I'm not in touch directly with the AnyPay guys right now, uh, and I, I really wish I knew what was going on. But that's that's just what I've heard. Actually, actually, I think there is one. There's a there's someone on Twitter called Crypto Grampy. Mm-hmm kind of like crypto grandpa crypto grampy yeah. i think he developed a point of sale system okay cool Very um cool. and a couple other people have developed some like subscription stuff but uh, yeah i think in the long run the, the government is going to lose this one uh the the u.s government they're going to crack down the cryptocurrency will continue whether it's just going to be in the underground or whatever depending on how these crackdowns go how intense they get uh still remains to be seen but i think long term i'm i'm pretty optimistic worldwide i'm optimistic i mean even if the us turns into a complete crypto graveyard in the in the next decade and and never, Which would be sad it, it would be, be absolutely really, terrible really uh, sad that seems to be what they want to to have well, that's happen certainly what the democrats seem to want Oh, I mean, it started. These crackdowns were going on under uh, Trump, so it's not like this. Wasn't I don't feel happening. like they were going on nearly as hard under Trump as they were under the. Well, they uh, didn't understand that. Well, you know what? I, I'm yeah. willing to be wrong yeah. here, Ian. I'm just saying that I've seen what this crap is like under the Democrats. Sure. And I know what they're going to deliver. I do not know what the Republicans are going to deliver for sure. Yeah, well, we might find out here in the next uh, year and a half. Hey, thanks, Conejo, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. And you'll be sure to let us know when this Avino Dex thing starts up so people can give that a shot. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, very, very interested in hearing about all manner of decentralized exchanges that are going out there because these centralized exchanges are terrible. Uh, they are beholden to governments. They're being sued by governments. In the case of Binance, the SEC actually attempted to get Binance to freeze its assets. Now, I don't believe they were granted this. The court, I don't think, actually granted the freeze uh, request by the SEC. So if you still have assets, uh, crypto assets on Binance, get them off of that exchange as quickly as possible. In fact, if you have crypto assets on any exchange, you should get them off the exchange and you should self-custody those uh, cryptocurrencies because if it's not your coins uh you know if it's not your keys it's not your coins meaning that if somebody else in this case a cryptocurrency exchange has control over your coins if they get frozen by the government then you will be lucky to see pennies on the dollar as far as the original value in your account down the line I've read that uh, I think it was like 85% or something is the uh, suggestion of active coins are currently um, being held on exchanges. People are not listening to this advice. And and I don't have the qualifications in my mind to be able to spit it out. I just read it someplace. But basically, if you don't have it in cold storage Mm -hmm. and you... Um, it is not lost, you know, <laughs> and um, you're not just uh, hodling that those people 
85% of them have it uh, on an exchange someplace. Bad plan. That's uh, very bad plan. pa- planning to fail in that case. Uh, let's talk to Major Payne in Michigan. Go ahead, Major. Hey, good evening, guys. Yes, sir. Yeah, you got. You were talking about that old girl that's getting harassed for a lemonade stand. And yeah. Her eight-year-old entrepreneurship. Well, that's it right. got me to thinking about people selling vegetables and flowers and whatnot on the side of the road. Because back in the day, um, I used to have a big truck garden. And I'd sell vegetables. Hmm. And uh, Mark can probably attest to this because he's raised kids, or at least one. I one day, one day, me and my son, he's about eight years old, we're out in the garden. And I don't remember if we were picking or weeding or what, but there was a big old fat toad hopping around. And I says, well, hello, Mr. Toad. Good to see you. And so later on at the dinner table, Patrick asked me, he says, well, why why you, was you so happy with that toad? I says, well, they, they eat the bugs that eat our vegetables. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah. He says, well, where do they live? I says, well, usually under rocks and logs and such. They want a place to get out of the sun. So the next morning I go out there, and 6.30 in the morning, he's collecting rocks and building little rock houses for toads out in the garden. <laughs> Cute. We we used to do the same thing. Um, we showed Jack how you could build a little house for a toad with a uh, cracked flower pot, and he he built little to- toad houses, and we huh. you know rewarded him in some fashion. Yeah. Did I the remember, toads use it? Did you ever see a toad come out of there? Yeah, they absolutely do use it because huh, okay. it's because it's um, right there next to their food source, which mm-hmm. is to say the insects like these delicious plants that we grow as opposed to the ordinary plants that are out in the yard. Mm-hmm. And the toads are like, well, we'd like to hang out right here where the food nice. source is. And so if you give them a little thing, place to hang out rather than having everything sort of perfect and clean, mm-hmm. you have these little spots for them, um, then they'll they'll hang out there. Sweet. Yeah, you just you just put the toad in the grocery store is what you did. Nice. All right. <laughs> Anything else you want to share, Major? Well, years ago, because we were talking about selling stuff at the end of the road and getting in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I, I, I did auto tech in, in college when I was just a pup. So I used to, you know, if I had a few hundred dollars scraped together and saw something that was worthwhile but broke, I'd drag it home and fix it, right? Well, I about got in trouble because if you flip more than three vehicles in your name in one year, you uh, gotta have a deal. Yeah. Oh boy. So luckily, I got a prize to this before I had flipped my third vehicle one year. And uh, what I do is I just leave it in the name, the title name of whoever I bought it off of, and fix it and put it out, and then flip it, and my name never got involved in the title. Nice. Yeah, that's the little trick and uh, just another reason why these uh, rules are sort of stupid. Um, obviously, it's obvious that some dealer had an in here, you know, like, oh, they're going to have to get a dealer's license. You know, just your average mechanic can't uh, can't do this. And it's just a just one more way that, you know, the protection racket for the uh, people who got the license. That's exactly what it is. Major, thanks for the story tonight. I appreciate it. The number here is 603-283-6160. Skeeter is in California. Go ahead, Skeeter. Hey, I, I hear you guys talking about uh, truck labor and uh, the easy case of uh, aid stands. And it got me thinking about uh, self-ownership and child protection. And keep in mind, uh, before you get too defensive, I'm not here to defend uh, government child intervention. I just wanted to understand these topics in terms of uh, libertarian principles. 
even though I've already gotten you guys to admit that it's okay to violate these principles sometimes. So what if a parent wants to induce like hard labor or long a long hour like workday, a coal mine, or even something extreme like child prostitution? Right, hang on. The number here is 603-283-6160. What if a parent wants to have their kid work at, quote-unquote, hard labor in a coal mine? Uh, we can come back and talk about that here in moments. The number is 603-283-6160. You can, of course, bring up whatever is on your mind here on Free Talk Live. Join us uh, online where we've got our own social media server at social.freetalklive.com. is free talk live and you can join us here the number 603-283-6160 we're talking about a mom who was trying to help some neighborhood kids learn entrepreneurialism and good work ethic and now she was threatened in alabama by the so-called department of labor i want to get back into that story uh, but it uh, resulted in a phone call from Skeeter, who's asking a, a bit of a tougher question about, well, what about kids working in a coal mine? And of course, we talked earlier about, you know, the factory where kids get their arms ripped off or whatever. So we're going to get into that uh, here in a moment, but also let you know that Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, which is digital cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. If you've ever tried to actually spend Bitcoin in recent days or recent years, you know that uh, the Bitcoin fees are out of control. Uh, in many cases, it can be recently as high as a dollar or two just to send a Bitcoin transaction. It doesn't man- matter the amount of the Bitcoin transaction. So if you're trying to you know, buy a $2 cup of coffee, it may cost you an extra $2 on top just to send Bitcoin. And that is not useful. That is not a, a real currency and it is just, you know, it's a joke to actually use Bitcoin. By comparison, Dash has fees of less than one cent per transaction. And they've implemented some really cool features to ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible. And its network is protected from the dreaded 51% attack by Dash's Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering your Dash transaction complete. So it's great for merchants. It's one of the oldest cryptos out there. It's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And by the way, big thanks to the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. We're back with Skeeter in California. You were asking a question. We had to run into that news break there. So if you could just re-ask it, I'd appreciate it. In terms of like uh, self ownership, as far as the, as far as children are concerned, in the uh, libertarian uh, work of principles, you know, uh, principles like uh, what if the parents want to induce like hard eighteen hour work, like picking grapes, like Mark said, or even prostitution? Okay, your cell phone's kind of breaking up a little bit there, Mark. Did you want to? Yeah. Response. Yeah, sure. I'll jump in on this. Um, so I guess the question is, is if you libertarians were in charge, what would happen with child labor? Isn't this exploitation or something, uh, something like that? You know, and it's a great question. And thank you for asking it, Skeeter. I do appreciate that. Uh, I think we have the answer already. Currently, 
to my knowledge, it is completely legal for you to employ a child of any age picking fruit in the United States. Now, this is, by all standards, that's a hard difficult labor. job. Yeah, that's hard, sure. hard labor. So hard, in fact, that Georgia, about 10 years ago, outlawed, you know, did its best to outlaw migrant work, um, people who were, you know, illegal by some standard or another, and were going to employ convicts to do that same labor. The convicts revolted and said, take me back to prison <laughs> before right. I do this job. So picking fruit, hard labor, but we have kids doing it currently. So we know mm-hmm. the amount of people um, that will do it, at least approximately, in so much as people who are poor and in close proximity to farms will probably bring their kids out with them to show them how to do this Mm -hmm. and expect them to do a certain amount. It is unlikely that they expect the same amount of labor from, uh, you know, the six-year-old as they do from dad, but they probably do expect some amount of labor. And so far, Western civilization hasn't cracked in half. Yeah. I tend to, and I mean, you know, like if it was legal to have kids in mines, because the mines are completely unionized and there's no way that that would ever happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the union jobs hate child labor because they, they work throw cheap. the curve off. Right. <laughs> um, but we know how it would work. It is if people were sufficiently poor in a, and sufficiently close to a mine, some of those kids would go in there and work and have those jobs. Now, what happens to them otherwise? Well, I don't know. They go, uh, they go, they, they go get into the, uh, the school to prison pipeline in their local community and end up in the the joint instead. Um, you know, I mean, society doesn't have a lot of good options for poor kids. You kind of have to make a decision early on or have your parents make a decision early on. Does that answer your question, Skeeter? Uh, well, I wanted to, to weigh in on, on it as well, because I, I agree. And I think that when it comes to jobs that are particularly offensive, he mentioned child prostitution there in his uh, his question as well. I think that most people wouldn't stand for that. You know, if that was going on in a community, oh, yeah. uh, there would be people who would come in there and they would literally kidnap those children away. And then if the parents were mad about having their kids kidnapped from them, uh, they would likely find zero support in the community on, They'd be on shot. their side, right? I mean, let's so, be serious. Yeah. Somebody's going to uh, walk in there with a, a with. Uh, there's going to be three guys walk in with automatic weapons. They're going to put everybody on the freaking wall. They're going to take the kids out of there. They're going to shoot all the people. <laughs> that could That's be how it's going to go. Yeah. I mean, that might I be mean, baseball bats. You know, you know, you never know what the weapon's going to be, but yeah. uh, something the community isn't going to isn't going to stand for it. And that could end up being the case with uh, certain types of hard labor as well. You know, if, if the people in the community don't think it's uh, an OK thing to have the kids down in the coal mine, you may have a rescue squad that comes in and, and takes those kids out of there. And how that all ends up shaking out, I think, is up to the, the market to decide. Thanks for the call tonight. Uh, so I wanted to get back into the story here about the woman whose son. He's eight years old. They started their own lemonade company after his lemonade uh, stand really kind of took off. And she wanted to help some of the neighborhood kids and the kids in the area learn how through an apprenticeship, how to sell some lemonade and be the uh, the smiler or the greeter at the lemonade stand and pay them $20 for a two-hour shift. And the Department of Labor came in and said, you can't do that. So she decided to not do that, sadly. But uh, that's not where the story ends. Uh, According to the Washington Post, she said the inspector told her that selling lemonade during the event would mean her business could 
profit from a child working, even if the children were mainly going to be greeting people and learning about customer service. So she agreed to call it off. She said, my heart was in the right place about this. In just one year, Cameron, her son's self-esteem and confidence have grown enormously, said his mom, Ms. Johnson. She's, uh, he is the face of the company, and helping his mom calculate the change that he has to return to customers has turned him into a bit of a math whiz. Yet her greatest pride is spending quality time with her son, quote, teaching him what's right and making it look fun at the same time, she said. Cameron's favorite part about helping run the lemonade business is talking to people about it. He said, according to Cameron, a full time respiratory therapist working the night shift. Johnson said she'd never imagined running what is now a one person operation, squeezing lemons, bottling juice, packing hundreds of bottles into coolers and transporting them to markets and events across Alabama. It was the product of serendipity and more specifically of her son asking if they could visit Disney World. She said, hey, let's get you out here so you can see that money doesn't just grow on trees, she said at the time in her Mother's driveway, Johnson propped up a stand she'd crafted out of four wooden crates that she painted blue, decorating it with flowers and lemons. Cameron, then seven at the time, helped serve lemonade and raised a uh, sign advertising the drink for $2 a cup. At that time, the lemonade came out of a bottle that Johnson bought in the supermarket, but everything changed once a local reporter arrived and Johnson had run out of lemonade on hand. She said, I literally went into the house and whipped up some lemonade, came back out, gave her the homemade stuff, and she said, man, it's the best lemonade I've ever had. And that's when I realized I should be selling this recipe. The recipe for the pink lemonade is a secret she won't reveal, but she said it quickly became a sellout. The inventory would run out. I bet there's lemons and sugar and water. I hope so. (laughs) Uh, Our caller earlier was suggesting it must be artificially sweetened, and I don't know about that. I mean, when I think of lemonade, I think the old style, like you're you're describing. Uh, Anyway, the inventory would run out within 30 minutes whenever she advertised on social media that she'd made a batch, and nowadays her lemonade, since expanded to 10 flavors can be found in local restaurants and small grocery stores. And next month, the drink will hit store shelves in the Piggly Wiggly supermarkets. That's big. That's the big time. Big time. The Piggly Wiggly. Uh, Across Alabama's Jefferson and Walker counties, she said she's got bigger plans for the business and hoping to sell her products in Walmart and Target, get a food truck, and gain a business sponsor or mentor along the way. She's also planning to take Cameron to Disney World by the end of the year. But before that... Johnson is intent on making sure other children have a chance to learn about business. Though the apprenticeship was canceled due to the government threats, as we discussed earlier, she said she's still looking to organize an event where lemonade will not be sold. She says it'll be like a kid job fair or a workshop. I'm going to teach them the same skills that I was going to try to teach them, but I'm not going to profit from selling lemonade. So that's where the problem comes in. You can't possibly make any money involving kids in business but you can have the kids sell the lemonade as long as there's no profit involved apparently that's totally fine the kids can be out in the hot sun selling the lemonade just as long as no one goes home at the end of the day with any money in their pocket (laughs) right that's where the work their butts off just don't pay them it's ridiculous it's absolutely outrageous but that's what you know that's the that's the lesson the government is trying to teach these kids here is that 
profit is bad. You shouldn't be in business for yourself because we're going to ruin it for you. They're going to come in there with all their stupid rules and all their mandates, and they're going to make your business unprofitable if you try to do anything at all that's fun and that's rewarding and that helps uh, helps the community and puts some money in your pocket at the same time, which is what a good business you know is. It's something that, that you enjoy doing, uh, and it's something that helps people you know, whether it be a service or a product, it uh, it fills a need that the customers have, and you can make you can make money off of it. But they don't want these kids to learn that stuff. Though the Labor Department complaint was heartbreaking, Johnson said it did come with a silver lining, which was the flood of support from across the country and tons of inquiries about shipping lemonade. She says it's been incredible. It is literally taking lemons and turning them into lemonade. So I am glad to hear that that aspect of the story, uh, you know, that is not over for her business and her son, who I'm sure is going to be involved, you know, all the way through this. I imagine he's going to be taking the reins of this when uh, when the time comes, when he's ready to be the CEO of of his own lemonade con- uh, company. And by that time, as you know, as we pointed out here, it's going into Piggly Wiggly in uh, the coming months. I mean, to be able to be a eight-year-old boy and to be witness to seeing all of these things growing in this business around you and, and learning it from the inside out, I mean, that is just an absolutely invaluable experience. So he's very, very lucky uh, to, to have a, a mom this good. I, th- I think you're right, Mark, Mark, to call her a hero earlier for I, sure i amended that to heroin yeah well whatever i mean that that, that word's kind of got a, a different meaning in certain contexts but yes i uh, i'm a traditionalist she's a heroin <laughs> let's go to sarah in new mexico you're on free talk live go ahead sarah oh yes let me get up talk about a story you can't relate to at all huh understand that yeah the money thing involved in it you're involving uh children to pay them and money and did you ever do anything as a kid did you ever have a uh, i don't know a newspaper route or a lemonade stand or anything like that sarah no i don't think so yeah it's not a surprise No, no i never did no but you know what? My my um, speak up article was so good that um, Sheila found it in the newspaper. Sheila, and the, she was uh, one of our friends, and and then she showed it to uh, Ralph, and then he liked it so much he shared it with the whole church volunteer. So he. What's the article about? Or were you complaining about uh, not enough speeding cameras or something like Is that? This at speakup.org? Oh, the speaker on the journal, they have several people that you could submit comments, um, like letters, emails. This is a letter to the um, newspaper? Right, right. Okay. And then there's three three or four uh, opinions, and they're, they're, people like reading those things. And what was your topic um, you know? about? Was it about uh, speeding cameras, red light cameras? I mean, those well, are your two favorites, I, right? I, the reason that, that they liked it was that, you know, they were scapegoating the panhandlers um standing in the middle i mean they're still standing in the middle nobody's messing with them because of our articles it's it's ridiculous so you're defending the panhandlers that, well they panhandle uh stand in the median mm-hmm. sometimes it's small like two and a half feet yeah and they panhandle and they're they were saying that these people are the pedestrian fatalities and my article said that, you know, if you were to dig up all of the people that are 97 people killed in New Mexico, probably none of them 
Actually, zero will be the panhandle standing the median. I mean, I, I, that would seem to make there. sense to me that if you're standing on the median or on the side of the road, that your likelihood of getting hit by a car would probably increase somewhat compared to the average pedestrian. Right, that's correct. So there, but but you're saying zero? Cars, you think you think absolutely zero panhandlers have been killed by uh, by cars? Right, but why? whose fault is that? Is but it, why? Why do you think that? The middle or but, what, what? The cars have Sarah, to run over the median and hit hit one. That whose fault is that? Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that they're that they're on the median and that protects them? That being on the median is somehow protecting them from being hit by a car? Because they have to run up on it. Okay, uh, but okay. That okay. was a question. Okay, so we have to get rid of all the panhandlers. Okay, all of them near the street. Do you think you will have less fatalities? Yes. Next year, um, it'll be I, still the same ninety-seven pedestrian fatalities of New Mexico. I doubt it. I think that the, pa- the panhandlers, Sarah, Sarah, the the panhandlers probably are getting le- hit less often in the median than when they are traveling to the median. I don't know about you, but I have not in the recent past. In the last year, I have not run across a six-lane highway. <laughs> but I do see people often when my, you know, in a car that are out in the middle of a six-lane highway asking for handouts. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're in the middle of a six-lane highway, your chances of getting hit are higher. Now you may consider them not to be a panhandler at that moment because they're not actually actively panhandling, that they're only a panhandler once they've stepped onto the median and then began asking for money. And I suppose that there's some, you know, bizarre, uh, you know, claim there, but I guess I would ask you this question of these, did you say it was 97 people? If these 97 people, of these 97 people, how many of them do you think panhandled in the last 24 hours before they were hit? I, I, I really don't know, but I just think it's uh, they're scapegoating. The hit-and-run drivers, the speeders, the red light virus, they, are, they have the one that are the one that's got the lethal weapons, the two-ton trucks. Okay, Their sure. careless behavior is one that's killing everybody. I'm not claiming that's not true. You certainly shouldn't be striking people with a motor I'm going to claim that's but not true. What, it's, I, it's, what I'm told in um, martial arts is don't be where the strike lands. So if you want to avoid being hit by a car, don't stand in the street. Don't run across the street. Right. I think that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing night, with drunks. With dark clothes. Well, uh, inebriated. I yeah, I bet you, I bet you at least half of the ninety-seven people that get killed in uh, was it uh, is it just Albuquerque the ninety-seven or is that statewide, Sarah? That's the whole state of New Mexico. I bet you, you half know, of those people are drunk at the time they get killed. They probably stumble into the road and then get hit by a car that couldn't possibly put on their brakes fast enough to avoid it. Why is that? Because they're speeding. That's why we have, we have all the people. Yeah, okay, they have 308,000 people, they got their license reinstated, and they have three or more speeding commits they tore up, never went to court, never paid, and they got it all back. Good, good. They shouldn't pay for that crap because it's just ridiculous. It's just extraction of wealth. Sarah, what I want to know is, have you ever actually done some panhandling? Well, of course. 
Oh, okay. Homeless for ten years. I'm actually surprised by that because I mean it does require you to go out there and do something. And normally you're sort of known for staying home and calling talk radio stations and collecting the welfare check. So I'm actually surprised how how'd it go for you? I mean, did you do pretty good out there? Well, it's a to the you know I have compassion. That's Mm -hmm. why I stuck up for the panhandlers. They're just being. But how did you do? Like, what was a good? What was a day's take? Like, you were doing this, what, 10, 15, 20 years ago, or five years ago? When were you doing this? Well, I didn't do too well, you know, because I was too clean. I was too always too clean. Yeah. I, I didn't mm. look pitiful enough, so I didn't, yeah. I didn't really look You really well. got to spruce it up if mm-hmm. you want to get the money. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, like forget the shower. Maybe throw on some makeup to look extra dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the hair needs to be unwashed, that kind of thing. Sarah, point. I thought of something while we were talking, and I just looked it up real quick. There were 893 deaths last year. That's 2020, excuse me, the last recorded year, 2020. 21 um there were 893 deaths on railroads now these things travel Mm -hmm. quickly we don't call it speeding because um you know we just you know you don't have that same kind of uh, thought process but if of these 893 people who died last year uh 2021 how many of them was it their fault Okay, is is there these people that ignore the crossing signs when they tell you to stop behind a certain point? You have to. It's like, people who were killed by a train. Right, right. So they were negligent. They they tell you to like leave about a, a foot. If somebody rear ends you. You don't want to be pushed into the track. They ignore all this. They Most of them are pedestrians. Anyway. Most of them were people not in a car. Okay. So what so, was your question I for mean, Sarah again? Just can you read it, my question it? is, how many of them was it their fault? Because to me, um, you know, I mean, it's as tragic as it may be. And by the way, a large amount of these are suicides. Mm. You get hit right. by a train. You jump. You jump. You stand in the middle of a track and you are dead. Yeah. Like there's not a, um, you know, you go from right. living to dead very, very quickly. It's basically and, a force of nature. I mean, it's unstoppable. Right. It's, it's, it's unstoppable. So, you know, to me. There's some there's a high amount of similarity between standing in railroad tracks and running across a road, especially while inebriated. Right. Like there are things traveling quickly and, um, you know, they may be going faster than the posted limit. But even if they're not, you can't always see what's coming across. Sarah doesn't do a lot of driving, so she doesn't know what it's like to have i don't do any driving (laughs) i just run for my life every day stuck in a dodging cars every day and you've never been killed by a train no she hasn't yeah sarah sarah you've never been killed by a train either you've never been hit by a train i I, i'm not stupid enough because you have enough sense to stay out of the tracks (laughs) thanks for the call sarah Right. Like, you know, yeah. very few trains jump the tracks and hit somebody <laughs> right. six feet to the side. Right. <laughs> like if you're getting hit by a car and I'm not saying I, mean, like, I will agree with the assessment that a much larger percentage of people who are killed by cars, the pedestrians killed by cars, it's their fault than pedestrians killed by trains. But mm-hmm. there's something to note here that n- almost 900 people last year were killed by trains and we don't consider the trains to be at fault Mm -hmm. right like the trains you you said it yourself a force of nature that train's going and it isn't going to stop no matter how sanctimonious you feel on that track (laughs) i have the right to be on this truck 
right? And that's good. <laughs> <laughs> like you're you're dead after you know, like it's gone. And um, you know, like whatever articles you post defending hobos. Uh, pee drenched hobos panhandling for money <laughs> on the side of the road that happen to get hit by cars because they're inebriated on huffing gas and uh, and gold uh, spray paint. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not saying they <laughs> deserve it. I haven't said anybody deserved it, but I want to know your your answer to the people who get killed by trains. Is it their fault? Yeah, I don't think she had a good answer on that one. She's well, I don't, for tonight. I, any anyone who might have um, any input on that, I'm mm-hmm. I'm still interested in the uh, thought process on it. Because to me, you know, you jump into the great white tank. I know you can't have great whites in a tank, but um, you know, you <laughs> you jump into the Gulf of Mexico covered in chum. You stand in a um, you know, train track. You do some drugs and you run across the road. Like bad things happen to these people and it's, it's a probable, almost certain future of what's going to happen. I'm not saying you deserve it. I'm saying I can predict the future. We are out of time for tonight. Uh, Mark probably will be joining us at some point next week. I think you're actually going to be on with Jay noon uh, on Tuesday. I believe this, uh, this coming week. Where are you going to be? Well, I'll be here, but uh, Jay can't, uh, he can't be in on Thursday. So he has to be come in on a different day. So you get to do a show with Jay. Uh, coming up here, I think, next week. Uh, more, of course, tomorrow night. I think nobody will be back tomorrow. He, he'd been out for a little while while his mom was very ill. So that, I think, went well. She's back and got out of the hospital. So he's back with us. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow online. Between now and then, you can join us over at freetalklive.com. Don't forget our chat server at chat.freetalklive.com. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.